Wow, that riff. That does not get old. <laughs> uh, hello, everybody, and welcome to Crank Tea Commentaries. My name is Jake Tomastro, and as always, I'm joined by my very good friend, Keaton Byer. Hello, Keaton. Put on the glasses! I don't know. I don't know if I can. And today, we have a very special guest, returning friend of the pod, Felix Frontini, and I can now say... PhD candidate Felix Frontini. Congratulations, Felix. Thank you very much. Thank you. It doesn't actually very, really mean that much. It just means that I'm not kicked out of my program yet. Okay. <laughs> well, that's that's good to hear. That's good. Yeah, it's good news that you're still in there. We got but it's, it's the good inside. to be back, guys. And I concur with Keaton that you should put on the sunglasses. I see, put okay. on your damn sunglasses. <laughs> he doesn't say sunglasses. I think he just says No, he glasses. doesn't say sunglasses. The glasses, yeah. He says put, put on, on the glasses. glasses. Yeah. Um, well, I guess they're not they're not to block the sun, they're to show the truth. Indeed. That's true. In, oh, indeed they yeah. are. So, Jake, you want to uh, introduce the film that we'll be talking about this week? Yes. So, um, this week we are talking about They Live, the classic. Uh, say the full um, title, what please. You, what, do you, what do you mean? The full title the full as title? it's written. They live exclamation mark. <laughs> well, yes, but no. I mean, you don't say the on exclamation the, mark. You you gotta put the emphasis on the on the poster. No, I, like, I usually it, say they live. Oh, John Carpenter's They Live. Precisely, that's what it's billed. I as. see. Yes, I I I just see the poster has that in small letters before. Yes. They live. Exactly. So the actual title of this film is John Carpenter's They Live. Yeah, absolutely. So, so that's good. I don't know. I think it's just they live. <laughs> I mean, no, no, but it says on the title. I don't live. know that that makes it the title. I mean, it's a preamble to the title. It's a pre-title. On IMDb, it just says they live. But... Well, on IMDb, it's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so we got a, we got a kind of a, a um, how do you want to describe this episode? It's going to be an easier. Well, this so um, we had on episode we were going to do uh, for a movie. Sorry, there's a fucking plane. It's a helicopter. They're fucking looking for us. Yeah. Sorry. So, so for everybody listening, there's literally a helicopter here. It's like fucking looking for us because we have the glasses. Yeah, that's we right. We got the glasses. But... We hang. We were hanging at the church for too long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so sorry. 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 Like uh, I was saying, Keith was saying. Um, there was an episode that, for a movie that we're still going to do, but so it's a big. One. It was quickly realized that it is a lot of work to cover this film. So, you know, we decided what's a movie that you know we could do a podcast on really quickly because we know so much about it. Yes, there you go. <laughs> we know so much about it. Yes, and it's. Uh, let's just say the amount of epi- work that went into this episode is about the same amount of work that went into the uh, uh, political commentary of this film. <laughs> you don't think it was subtle enough for you? Uh, well, you know, there were some subtle, there was some subtlety to, to, to it. I don't even know if I can finish that sentence yeah. in your conscience, but I'm sure there was. Some subtly. Somewhere. Somewhere, yeah. Somewhere. It was so subtle you didn't even notice it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and also because we have our, uh, our special uh, guest, PhD. Um, what's the full title again? PhD candidate. Ooh, we got a whole new fucking word in there. It's like, it's, you know, I had to pass an exam just for them to be like, yeah, we might 
consider you later. <laughs> but maybe not. Maybe we'll not. consider right. it. So you're a candidate. So Well, yeah, but before that, what were you? You were just fucking... Before that, I was nothing. You were... <laughs> before that, I was mud. <laughs> you were dirt. <laughs> I was yeah. dirt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're not even a candidate. You're nothing. So I assume over the course of uh, this episode, you will earn your candidacy... I guess you've already earned your candidacy. You will prove your candidacy or whatever through your uh, um, explanation to us of how the glasses work. But oh, we'll, we'll get to there later. <laughs> okay, so. Well, I mean, yeah. So they live. Uh, what 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 kind of film would you say this is? What kind of film? If you were to like nail this down with a genre, Felix, let's hear your, your take first. Um, I don't know. I mean, dystopian primarily. Yeah, I guess it's kind of like a sci-fi movie. Kind of sci-fi, but it's a, also not. It's a sci-fi. Is, movie. I mean, it's it is sci-fi. science fiction because it has sci-fi elements. Yeah, but like, it's a yeah, sci-fi it's... movie with absolutely none of the like uh, um, motifs of exactly. Like, yeah, the sci-fi yeah. Movie. it's it's somehow a period piece for the Great Depression. <laughs> but not set during the Great Depression. But set during the late eighties. Well, well, we'll get to why through uh, John Carpenter's yeah. perhaps slightly, and he hasn't been subtle about it either. Slightly filtered eyes. Uh, the eighties yeah. were as bad. Were just like the Great Depression. Um, right. But we'll get yeah. we'll get into that. So before we get to all of that, before we really get get a roll in here, Felix, you want to just give us a little uh, rundown of the plot line of this film? Sure, sure. Do my do my sixty second synopsis. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, you could do more than sixty seconds if you want it, if if it needs it. But do do what you got to do, man. Right. So I so I mean the the film follows um, Rowdy Roddy Piper. <laughs> That's the character's uh, name, or right? as he's known in this movie, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Nada, George Nada, I believe. But they they literally never mention his name once in the movie, to my knowledge. Maybe they do, but I I didn't. I, didn't. I think he says it once to the uh, right. construction. Is it in the beginning when he's looking for a job? Yeah, right. when he goes to the lady. Uh, Is it maybe on a form or something like that? Maybe. I mean, yeah, the, it might be. The whole point of the name, as we'll get to, but I'll just say it now because you mentioned it. The whole point of the name is that it just means nothing because he's supposed to be just a nobody guy. Yeah. Anyway, so he's a rambler, he's a hitchhiker, he's going from town to town, and he rolls in to uh, what is presumably L.A., and he's homeless and he's looking for work, so he goes to the job employment office, and they got no jobs for him. They got no jobs so, uh, for him. They got no jobs. So he's uh, he's hanging out on the streets, and apparently it's very cold in L.A., and he's all he's all it's cold. also raining the one day of the year <laughs> yes yes LA. that's also true <laughs> that's also true anyway he finds his way to a construction work site and manages to talk his way into a union job uh based on pure charisma pure charisma and sex appeal yeah. exactly and then he makes friends i mean with another abs. another struggling <laughs> uh construction worker uh, and then he follows him back to this uh, ho- homeless kind of campsite, like a tent city, effectively. And he, as he's living there, uh, he starts noticing some weird goings on at the church across the street. And there's weird signals coming through the TV and there's you know, giving him a headache. And this weird preacher who's on the street talking about, you know, the, the hidden masters. Anyway, so he goes to check out what's going on at this uh, this this church and uh he finds out that it's like there's like this gospel saying but it's like pre-recorded tape 
It's not actually singers, and he's kind of sketched it's out, and he sees it. It's not as it seems. It's not as it seems. And there's a, as it there's seems. a weird ke- lab chemistry set up in a bunch of boxes. Anyway, uh, he tells us to his new friend, but the new friend doesn't want to be a part of it. Uh, he's, got, he's got a wife and, and two kids back at home, man. He's got, yeah. he's, I don't want no part of that I don't want to get involved. I don't want to get involved. I'm trying. I'm I'm walking the the white line in the middle of the road. Unless you drive on the that's the most dangerous, place, dangerous to place to drive. That's in the middle of the road. It's not a good thing to do, says Rowdy Roddy Piper. Anyway, um, but uh, uh, so very quickly there is a bust of this church, uh, where the getaway cars leave the church, and then uh, basically a, a whole squad of uh uh SWAT officers and, and LAPD basically storm the place and like, you know, burn everything to the ground and then they also bulldoze this tent city homeless park and uh you know, everybody has to abandon ship and then so Rowdy Roddy Piper no longer has his large bag. Um no, he loses and he goes back and he loses all his, his possessions. tools, which is <laughs> how he got the job. Yeah, somehow he had a shovel and a pickaxe in his backpack. Um, anyway, so he goes into the church afterwards to to investigate because he noticed some weird stuff in there, obviously, and uh, he finds some leftover boxes of sunglasses in the uh, hidden compartment that the the stupid police were too stupid to find. It's so clearly a fake wall that he just like kicks down. Yeah, he yeah. noticed it within two seconds on his first visit. Anyway, but then regardless of the fact that he knows how to open it, when he comes back, he finds the need to kick it really aggressively and break it in half. He's um, got to be quick, man. But anyway, he's like, what the hell? Why is there a box of sunglasses here? Very stylish 80 sunglasses. Why are they here? Very so he puts them on and then he... and then He, he puts on the... Well, he, he, he takes the sunglasses first. He takes the sunglasses then he, and he puts on the glasses. Yeah, he puts... He takes which it. reveals to him the secret society that we live in of alien masters who are controlling us and who are i don't know brainwave um uh projecting a signal into our heads which which masks their true appearance that only the glasses can show you and there's subliminal messaging of everything to stay asleep and uh mate and reproduce and obey yes, yes. Obey. so anyway so obey. they're oppressing the middle and lower class uh to obey and stay asleep while they are the elite and then the few humans that know about them basically they make rich and happy and and they don't care about the alien invasion and then well really it just follows him around for a bit and he's and he he basically goes on a on a on a serial murdering spree. It's unclear whether he only kills aliens, but he tries mostly to kill aliens. He might shoot some random. Well, there's civilians. the one scene with the cop, and he's I, gonna shoot him, and then he realizes that he's actually a human. So he yeah, doesn't. but he does also go into a bank with a shotgun and start yeah. shooting. Yeah. He's not very discriminate. I think it's implied that he's only killing aliens. At, I think that's yeah. But when you're shooting to... a shotgun he's into a full bank, I don't think you it. can really be very careful about it. <laughs> No, I mean, the reality of the shot is, yeah, he was shooting a shotgun into a crowd of people. Yeah. But, like, theoretically, I think he was supposed to only be killing the aliens. Yeah, he's so, aiming yeah. for the aliens. So, but needless to say, he reacts pretty strongly he to reacts this pretty new strongly. revelation. He immediately starts killing aliens. Yeah, pretty fucking stupidly, and he immediately starts drawing so much attention to himself. Yes. So, then they immediately realize that he can see them, and they're... 
and they all have mass communication through their Rolexes, which are uh, communication devices. So there's a manhunt for him. Um, he somehow... Oh, yeah, he manages to escape by uh, taking a hostage, a human hostage, this lady, and he goes to her house to crash. And then um, when he turns his back, she smashes a bottle over his head and kicks him out of her window down like smashing fi- the window smashing really, the window really easily yeah and he falls down like a 50 foot like dirt hill and like into a fence and he's okay he's okay he's just got well, a couple I mean, scratches he's a bit roughed up yeah. he's a bit roughed up but yeah um, he's limping he's limping he's limping anyway uh so he hides out for a couple more days in the very cold la weather and then he goes back to the construction fight site to find his friend Frank, Frank is that his name? Frank, Frank is yeah, his he name. Finds his, he's finds his friend Frank, who's like, you know, obviously doesn't want anything to do with him because he's a serial killer, ostensibly. Um, yeah, he's or, killed like six people at this point. He's killed like a bunch of people. I feel like he's killed more than six. Yeah. And then um, he goes back to uh, the alleyway where he had previously stashed the remaining box of sunglasses because he doesn't have his sunglasses anymore. He lost them in the tumble down the hill. Um, and then while he's in this alleyway, looking for his sunglasses uh frank comes and gives him a bunch of money because i guess he wasn't so perturbed that he's a serial killer well he's like take this money and go fuck off is basically the, the yeah vibe. but he yeah. seemed to have a, an odd amount of sympathy yeah for this guy exactly. who he just thought he was a murderer right. anyway confused about that bit too yeah. yeah uh anyway rowdy rowdy piper is like hey frank put on the sunglasses you gotta see what this is he's, he's, he's trying to convince him to to, to, to see he says, what he put sees. Put on the glasses. Sort of, sort, sort of keep on you. Uh, yes, it's true. It's true. Um, Frank does not want to put on the glasses. <laughs> no. But Rowdy Roddy Piper really wants him to put on the, the glasses. Yeah, and they don't call him Rowdy for nothing, as we're now, about to find so out. Now, so this is where it becomes relevant that he's a WWE wrestler. So yeah. they <laughs> then proceed. Until this point. <laughs> yeah, there've been hints. Yeah, there's been some, some, some the kicking down of the door for no reason. Yeah, that was a good yeah. one. Um, just the shirtless shot also, of him. Him like being way too ripped for a homeless man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> him falling down the hill and and knowing how to tumble properly. Um, yeah. Oh, and he beats up some cops earlier too. Yeah. Anyway, so I should stress he's not he's not a WWE wrestler in the story. No. Just the actor who plays it. The actor, in quotes, who plays yes. him. Is, yes. a, yeah. is the, the famed Rowdy Roddy Piper. Yeah, yeah we'll talk um, about him a bit in a moment. Yeah. Anyway, uh, there's a massive brawl where he's trying to get Frank to put on the glasses, but he's so vehemently against it that he's willing to... They're willing to beat the living crap out of each other to, to yeah. for their mutual purposes about the glasses. Anyway, um, he almost caves in his skull with a wooden two by four but in the end he just you know pummels him until he's limp on the ground and then he shoves the glasses onto his face and then he can also see the you know um yeah and then I alien infrastructure re- regrets his uh his uh resistance quite a bit yeah yeah he immediately turns he's he, <laughs> he's immediately he immediately buys in and then it helps that there's some aliens that are like they can see us which you is kind of like their rolexes yeah they're talking to their rolexes anyway they hire at a very sketchy hotel until they can find more members of the resistance who are producing these sunglasses in the first place and they go to the meetup 
and at the meetup he meets up with uh the woman he the woman he kidnapped is there and she i guess he had left his sunglasses behind at the scene and she found them and then she turned as well and she became part of the resistance so then there's like somehow a happy meetup the, somehow found the resistance yeah exactly somehow found the resistance so anyway uh they get into like you know a nice conversation and like it's starting to get romantic and they're about to suck each other's tongues <laughs> when the wall explodes and uh all the cops come in and start just with like you know massively armed they've got their SWAT gear they're coming in yeah, basically I think they all can... the cops is a correct description <laughs> all of the cops, Los yeah. Angeles, yeah. anyway <laughs> so basically the three that managed to escape are or well no he, they first managed to escape with the women but then they lose track of her so basically frank and rowdy rowdy piper escape while everybody else dies um and uh how do they escape well they managed to somehow get a hold of a broken rolex teleporter which I don't know, they drop it on the ground, then it's like, your Rolex is malfunctioning. Please report to headquarters. And it makes a, teleports a hole into the ground while they're in the middle of a gunfight, uh, backed into a, a dead end of a alleyway with like 30 SWAT officers coming at them, which is quite convenient. Anyway, they jump into the portal hole and they find themselves in the inner workings uh, under the city of the Alien Secret Society. I'm unclear on this point. Was that, yeah. was it just a hole, like, straight beneath them? Like, was the tunnel they felt ended up no, in No, I think it's a teleporter. Or was it a teleporter? But then here's... I, I wasn't really because sure. Because later when they talk to the guy, he's like, how'd you get here? And then he's like, oh, yeah, these things are so fun. But it yeah. can teleport you when you press the button. Yeah. But that might have seemed like it just made a hole. Anyway, unsure. But they're in the headquarters. Uh, they find out more about, you know, there's that, like a, uh, yeah, there's a human elite gala happening in this headquarters at that time. Conveniently. Conveniently. So the, these are humans that, that have that are sold out the human yeah, they're, and, they're, they, yeah, they sold out because they know, but they're taking the payoff. Um, and they somehow meet up with one of their homeless buddies who somehow managed to become part of the elite by... <sighs> capitulating even though they were well, just maybe, killing all the homeless maybe he people told them maybe he told them where the church was where maybe, they were making the glasses maybe he's one of the least he's one of the most suspension of disbelief characters not i mean that's a horrible way of putting it because the whole movie is a bit like that but like it what he's just like there he's so much <laughs> yeah, he's just he's there such a just yeah. like written yeah. into the story character you know he has no real existence he promptly assumes that they're also part of the human elite despite the fact that they're wearing you know workers clothes that are covered in blood and they're carrying assault rifles and so he's like let me give you a tour of the place they're hiding their guns at this point aren't they not really i don't i don't remember i don't don't know really anyway it's not that important (laughs) not particularly plausible anyway so they give him a tour and um, it turns out they're in, like, the sub-basement of a TV station and that allegedly at the top of this TV station is the one broadcast satellite dish for the entire signal of the, um, uh, well, I don't know what you'd call it, the, the, the sheep alien, signal. Yeah. The, this is, the you alien, know, they get inside your brain. The alien brain broadcast. ray. Yeah, yeah, it's being broadcast from one location with no redundancy protocols. 
Anyway, yeah. um, you know, it's a pretty, pretty bad system. They don't the whole yeah, alien. It's a bad system. system. Yeah. Anyway, they managed to find Holly, who for some reason, since they last saw her one hour ago, has had a full wardrobe change. Um, and they go up to the top of the building, and they find the giant gamma ray dish. Uh, but it turns out Holly's evil. She's the one that sold them out and got the uh, the, the the secret resistance meetup busted because she is part Ooh. of the human elite. Anyway, Rowdy's like she oh, well, kills Frank first, right? She does she kill Frank? Yeah, she kills yeah, Frank. She kills Frank. Frank in the head. And then yeah, and then Rowdy Rowdy Piper is like, well, I wanted to have sex with you, but now I guess I'll just kill you. So he does, and then he explodes the satellite dish. By, but shooting. Then he, <laughs> by shooting it, by shooting but then he also gets works. he yeah he also gets shot by a bunch of aliens in a helicopter, so he dies. But he uncovers the the scam. Yeah, well, he he blew up the he the blew dish. up the dish, and so now all of the humans all over the earth can see the aliens. And uh, then there's some you know cut shots of of what that's like that everybody can see the aliens, including. The ending scene, which is uh, <laughs> two, pe- two people in a in a hotel room. Well, there's one person. Yeah, there's yeah, a person <laughs> in an alien hotel room having sex, and then the woman realizes that her boyfriend is an alien, and he's like, "Hey, baby, what's wrong?" And she's like, eh, "And then it's the end of the movie." Yeah, because he doesn't realize she can see him now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. then um, it ends on that note that the aliens have been found out. Yeah, and that's it. And Illuminati and- confirmed. Lizard yeah. people, not Illuminati. Both. <laughs> Same thing. Sorry, that was not a 60-second recap. No, that okay? that's okay. That's okay. Because there's, uh... there's a lot in this movie, and I think I think the most important, or rather the most important thing that I've noticed is that the sci-fi elements and the actual like uh, uh, explanations are a very distant second in importance to the... To the political commentary yeah it's 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 really sci-fi in in name and aesthetic only like there's not really any sci-fi content other than um convenient plot devices yeah it's conceptually sci-fi because there are aliens but is it even oh yeah it is explicitly said that they're aliens like the some points they start going away from the political commentary where they're like oh yeah and this is the intergalactic travel hub where like you see people teleporting to and from worlds it's like at some points there's like john carpenter was like actually yeah the sci-fi thing is cool like we should lean into that a bit yeah and then it's like quickly like no never mind also (laughs) that's where that's where this movie like ultimately fails in my opinion in a lot of ways is like because it, it does like doesn't really commit i mean it does commit it to the political uh bit yeah wholeheartedly yeah, but, obviously but yeah. it it's only wishy-washy goes... on the sci-fi yeah exactly and i wish it had either gone full sci-fi or less sci-fi to be honest mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. i don't know well, i mean there's no i don't think there's a way to like have less sci-fi than they had like yeah, i suppose it's I mean, kind of the key plot point yeah yeah i suppose you're right i suppose you're right um, now, okay let me initial... let me ask you let me ask you guys a question just off the bat so yeah. i don't know this but i'm gonna take a guess so okay movie came out in 1988 yeah we're canadians yeah. i don't really know my american history very well who was president at this time was it 
Ronald Reagan. It yes, was indeed it was Ronald Reagan. Reagan. Yeah, that Actually, makes... if you listen uh, to um, uh, interviews with John Carpenter, he makes it very explicit. He's talking about Reaganomics. Yes, that was. That's what I had assumed. Yeah. <laughs> this is actually here's a quote from John Carpenter. The picture's premise is that the quote-unquote Reagan revolution is run by aliens from another galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's pretty heavy-handed on that. Yeah. On that front. It's pretty literal. So, actually, I don't know. I feel like this, I might need, haven't, I just haven't thought about it enough. That's probably what it is. I think this movie just requires more thought than I've given it. Yeah. In um, what sense? I... <laughs> The subtle, you, you have to figure out the subtleties of how literal it is. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Exactly. So, you, know, you need to stare deep into that, that six-minute fight and just yeah. take in what's going on. If you try really hard, you might find specific nods to particular enacted policies. I don't know, probably not. <laughs> in, the, in, in the fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, in the fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The fight is representative of Reagan's... Um... And you see here he goes for the clothesline. Yeah. Now that's symbolic Which is representative of... of when Reagan's Justice Department imposed heavier um, yeah. <laughs> penalties upon the, the homeless people of California. I didn't think that was the... The utility at the when when the cops come in and 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 like raid the church, yeah, it's a bit random that they decide to bulldoze this homeless encampment at the same time, isn't it? I don't know. They're like, hey, we're here, you know. We might as well bulldoze. I mean, I guess they're, I guess, <laughs> you know? I guess they're like, you know, that's breaking. They're like some kind of law. They're like <laughs> witnesses, but they don't really care because I mean, they're already homeless. So like, maybe anyway. they just needed a, a reason to be there. So they're like, yeah, oh yeah, we're we're calling the homeless shelter and then we'll just raid this church while we're here yeah. you know, Fair enough. as as we've said none of these details actually have answers i don't think because i don't think they were considered <laughs> no i think no. it's all in aid of the obey yeah. <laughs> yes yes <laughs> so have we mentioned john carpenter yeah so john carpenter well we did when we we're talking about the the real title of this movie as you oh, yeah, uh, that's right as you john carpenter's it. they live yeah so john carpenter uh directed this film i believe we've covered well, i'm i know we've covered john carpenter before yeah yeah we did we have talked about john carpenter before uh, i don't actually know much about john Con carpenter oh well he's a he's a very interesting fellow um yes and if you want to know more you can go and listen to our episode on the fog <laughs> yeah so i let's let's just quickly like you know go over like who he is what he's all about yeah uh i mean like he's kind of like uh, a hero of sort of like low budget cinema. Sure. Um, also, like he he is self described as the horror master. Ah, <laughs> yeah. That's his Twitter handle. Um. You're familiar with his with his work on Halloween, Felix? I know of it. Yeah, I don't know that I've ever seen it. Uh, Halloween is probably one of his most famous movies, but that's sort of how he got his like breakthrough. Right. Right. Was yeah, Halloween? It, it's the quintessential did, '70s horror yeah. film. It is the. Yeah. What about Carrie? No, he didn't do that one. I know, but oh. I'm talking about quintessential '70s horror films. Okay, well, yeah, maybe. I mean that. I it's a contemporary. <laughs> I would say Halloween but, is higher on the. But uh, what was I gonna say? Um, yeah, he's also done films like uh, The Thing. What am I blanking here? Big Trouble in Little China. Um, Big Trouble in Little China. Escape from New York. Uh, so, Escape so low LA. budget horror is is the. Uh, Low budget horror and sci-fi. Low budget horror and sci-fi. Yeah, that's yeah. his forte. 
right. And it's cut, his his films are often marked by special effects, although this yeah. one is not, or like practical effects rather, um, right. which are special effects. But you know, to yeah. be more specific, which is like I guess the makeup is 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 pretty cool. This film, but it's not. There's not practical effects aren't aren't a huge part of this film, are they? No, I mean there's a couple explosions and shit. Yeah. But no, it doesn't have anywhere near the same like level of practical effects that like the thing did, for example. Yeah. I think kind of our our um conclusion on him in the last episode that we talked about him was that like he's def he's a he's a filmmaker that creates atmosphere very expertly and that's kind yeah. of his his biggest strong suit is like immediately setting up an atmosphere yeah and and part of that has to do with the, the fact that he writes his own music yes yeah including that little bit that you heard at the beginning <laughs> he, he collaborates. sometimes with, he doesn't uh, write very much music yeah exactly just <laughs> no. no um the music he also collaborated with a guy named alan howarth yes howarth indeed. who i think we've talked about before i think we, we talked about him on our last john carpenter episode yes. in fact he, he worked with john carpenter a lot so do you want to get into, like, some basic facts about the movie? Yeah, sure. Sounds good. I mean, we've already talked most of the basic facts. We've got John Carpenter as the uh, as the director. We mentioned that uh, <laughs> uh, the film was starring one rowdy Roddy Piper. Um, yes. What was, what was his... Uh, I mean, I know he, he effectively just played an, uh, a, like a brawling Irishman in, in the WWE in the 80s, but... Yeah, what's his what's his what's his finisher what's his what, what i was mean? hoping you would know that yeah you, you're you a resident like yeah, wwe exactly. expert i didn't watch it in the nine in the 80s <laughs> <laughs> yeah well that's okay so but wwf right yeah it's true actually when doing some research for this i was confused several times because it's WWF. not the world wildlife federation exactly um, it's not that's why they had to change it, it but no, i don't know if that's it, true it is true okay <laughs> It is true. Okay. Uh, yeah, he's one of the most de- decorated um, and uh, highly acclaimed wrestlers of all time. Really, like he won, yeah. I believe, thirty-four championships. He was his whole character uh, arc, I believe, was that. I mean, I'm not a wrestling fan, so I'm just going off of uh, uh, what I read about him. But he was a, a, a villain, and he was the best. What I think, um, Vince Vince Man, what's his name, McMahon? Vince what's McMahon. His name? Yeah, he described him as the uh, the best best entertainer in the WWE or something like that. High praise. Yeah, um, he unfortunately passed away, I believe, in 2015. No, at the sad. age of 61. It's not very old. So, no. but uh, gotta gotta shout out to his uh, place of birth, Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Oh, where is that, buddy? Uh, what country? Yeah, is that's that in Canada, bro. Oh, buddy. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> We should play the uh, Great White <laughs> North. Uh, <laughs> but he really played up that he was oh Scottish, sorry, not, right, okay. not Irish. Right. Yeah. Apparently well, they had him come in in a kilt and ba- and with bagpipes. Yeah. Oh jeez, just pretty funny. Um, yeah. So his his signature move was the sleeper hold. Basically, put someone in a headlock and they go to sleep. Which actually, I think he uses that in this movie. Does he use it to make to force him to put on the glasses? That's funny. I mean, that's... I think he does, and then he gets his hand bit. That's when he gets his hand. Right. Oh, uh, <laughs> I mean, that's pretty antithetical to his goal of waking everybody up. Oh no! Yeah. 
Wow, that joke really just ended the flow of conversation there, didn't it? Yeah, it really did. Really did. Um, it, was, it was worth it. <laughs> <laughs> so let's play the uh, let's play the uh, box office game. I did not include the uh, box yeah, office. Yeah, okay. You're lucky the... I'm not looking at the IMDb page right yes, now. Yes, I am lucky. <laughs> so the budget for this film was... Do you want us to guess the budget? Or do you want to, are you going to just tell us the budget? I mean, I put the budget on the outline. If you're not currently looking at it... Oh, you did, right. Oh, I'm not it, looking at the outline right now. Then yes. I would okay, like you well, to guess the budget. I'm going to guess the budget. Uh, adjusted for inflation? No, just like... Yeah, let's no. not adjust for inflation yeah. um uh 40 000? no sorry 40 million dollars one million dollars <laughs> maybe 25 million, 25 one, million one million 25 million so these 25 are prices, million seems high actually these are prices right rules okay fine i'll go i'll go four 25 million prices i could be right way rules, off just so you guys know prices yeah. right rules then i'll go three and a half so three and a half for felix 25 25 for jake yeah you not none of you win the new car i should have gone with one million you should, how much yeah. was it it was one million but, no but he would have won in prices right if he had said right one okay the budget for what this was film it? was three million jesus christ three million dollars there you uh, go I, I should have gone, I would have gone with there you go apparently uh yeah, there's nothing that would have cost any money in this movie. Well, yeah, apparently seriously. the very first shot uh, cost them quite a bit amount of money. What is that? Because it, apparently they had because the train has to come in. Oh yeah. right. And so they uh, apparently they had to pay the train company to like drive the train naturally. Why can't they just wait for it to come around? That's what I was thinking. That's there's, what we would have done. Well, he, here's why: because <laughs> they fucked up the first shot. Uh, and they had to do oh. it again. <laughs> so uh, there you go. That's pretty funny. Uh, so, I see. So they did do that the first time. Yeah. That's pretty funny. Um, That's I don't good. know. I don't know if they like. I think they arranged for the train to come because like. That's so funny. anyway, yeah. So box office. What do you guys think? Well, we're gonna box guess office. box office. Budget of three million. Box office. Twenty-five million. <laughs> well, I think it's more of a cult hit. I'll go. Seven. Felix would win in Price is Right rules again. But how it's much was it? Who was 13, closer? 13 oh. million. I was much closer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he's right. You're right. It, it was, was much more of a cult hit. It didn't really get yeah. uh, a lot of critical acclaim <laughs> Yeah. when it first came out, which is like, makes sense. It's definitely a lot more of a uh, uh, a cult movie than a, yeah. a theater <laughs> extravaganza. I can imagine you walking out of the theater seeing that, being like, what the fuck did What the I fuck did I just watch? Yeah. Well, you're not, you know, walking out of the theater, like, hey, baby, what's if, wrong? if everybody's an alien? I would just be doing impressions of the guy going, hey, baby, what's wrong? <laughs> <laughs> I walked into the theater thinking everybody was an alien. Well, I know so. you did. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a mild success. Yeah, moderate success. Mild success. Moderate, yeah. I mean, it just further added to John Carpenter's, you know, yeah. mythos of, like, low-budget I mean, one of the problems with these films. is, like, it's always box office. Like, they never, mm. uh, like, with cult films, like, they never include, like, you know, there are uh, video on, rentals like, and video shit like sales. that. I yeah, think... video sales and video rentals. Um, and re-screenings. 
Once we hit the big leagues, I'll spring for uh, IMDb Pro, and I think it might have that oh, yeah? information. Okay. But uh, that'll be once we have our uh, our our Patreon up and running with. Right. Okay. Yeah. So what we're saying, yeah. So like in general, like I think that's pretty standard for a John Carpenter film. Like you don't spend much, and you, you don't make, make much. more than you spent. Right. A lot more, but still not much. <laughs> but still not much. Yeah. Um. Except for Halloween, I think that. Uh, did, did we talk about what the uh, ridiculous return was for Halloween? Yeah, we did. I think in the in our in our last episode about John Carpenter, we I believe what was it again? So it it cost three hundred thousand dollars to make. Oh really? And box office of sixty to seventy million. Oh wow, <laughs> which good is, value? Yeah, it's good yeah, value. It's a good value. return on investment. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, um, pretty that's much not secure this movie. John Carpenter's career yeah. for. <laughs> 100%. It's like, oh, I can do weirder shit now. Yeah. yeah. For the next 10 years, at least, I think that, that bought him <laughs> yeah. anything for... And he chose to make The Fog. Anyway, go listen to The Fog episode if you want to hear about that. We're talking about They Live and not Halloween, which we have not covered yet either. I don't, think we, I don't know who will ever cover Halloween. Sounds too popular. Too popular. Anyway. Uh, where were we? All right, so let's talk a little bit about the production. So, this movie's based off of a a short story. Well, that's not exactly true. It's based off of a comic book, which is based off of a short story. Okay. <laughs> so John Carpenter found this comic book called Nada, mm-hmm. uh, which I can you can imagine why it's called that. Yeah. Which is like basically it's a similar story, but it's based off of a story called Eight O'clock in the Morning. Which uh, became the true uh, inspiration I, I, for the I film. I believe in the opening credits. That's they don't, they only it, credit that. Yeah, they don't credit the comic book. Yeah. Well, I think that I think the point. What I mean is, like, he initially found the comic book, which right. then led him. He was to inspired the, by the comic book, and then he used the original short story to base. The yeah. Film off. Okay. It's only six pages. It's not a yeah. very long short story, and it, it's essentially about a. It's a guy who gets hypnotized, and then okay. the hypnotist fucks up and he like fully wakes up when he tells him to wake up oh so it's like uh it's like uh office space (laughs) yeah it is like office space (laughs) (laughs) the last episode we covered was uh involved a hypnotist uh that was not the last episode we covered was that not what was the last episode it doesn't matter so the hypnotist wakes him up to the reality of of what of what's going on around him Exactly. Yeah, he wakes him up to the reality, and he he um he essentially uh, goes on a killing spree. Oh, okay. So are the motivations of this short story equally as political, or are they less so? No, I was. Well, it's not about Reaganomics because it wasn't. It was written, written in the eighties. I think it is political. Uh, not right. as overtly political. It was written in nineteen sixty three, I believe, mm-hmm. um, by Ray Nelson. Um, I don't know anything about Ray Nelson. If he's a if he's a big sci-fi writer, if he's done anything else, I feel maybe like I've he heard is. the name. I did not enjoy the short story very much, to be honest. Yeah. No. No. It was a. Uh, it's a bit just. I don't know. Not a lot of detail. Not very. It's just a bit silly. The uh, uh um the the main hitch, you know, the thing that like the big twist and why it's called eight o'clock in the morning is the fact that when he's uh when that when the aliens find out that he's turned on they like hypnotize him being like you're gonna have a heart attack at eight o'clock in the morning so he goes on his his killing rampage and uh then he 
he actually does end up dying at 8 o'clock in the morning. Oh, well, because he's been hypnotized to do it. Because he's been hypnotized to do it. Okay, so somewhat different from the film. It's yeah. quite different in a lot of ways, but it's also only yeah. six pages, so... Yeah, I guess you have to write more than Fill in a lot of details. Yeah. Yeah. Even and if I a think... good chunk of that is just a fight scene. Glorious I... fight scene. <laughs> But I guess I guess you can rely on um, uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper's extensive fight scene choreography knowledge to yes. help out with that. Yes, so. you can. Yeah. Yes. They didn't have to write that. No, oh, they did. <laughs> oh, they we'll did? talk about it. We'll talk about the fight scene. He didn't write we'll it. Talk about That's, it. Yeah. Yeah. There's. It's. It's. It's somewhat interesting. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think. I think the major difference between this short story and the film is I think there was a lot of. Uh, uh, underlying implication in the short story that maybe uh, our main character was crazy. Oh. Yeah. Right. Because, like, there was a lot more detail or attention paid to, like, his girlfriend's reaction to him killing people who she thought were normal people. You know? Right. Right. So... But he he knew they were aliens. Also, there were no glasses. There were no glasses, exactly. He was just hypnotized. So... Contacts. So he couldn't oh, yeah. show, but he couldn't show her, right? There was no way. Yeah. So I think he could think that make her put on the glasses. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He couldn't wrestle her for seven minutes. Hmm. Um. So, but I think they kind of, or John Carpenter kind of lost that in this movie. I think he got rid of that aspect because he was so desperate to prove his political point. Yes. Uh... <laughs> um. So. Speaking of his political point, Jake, do you want to read the first paragraph there? Appalled by the greed and corruption sanctioned by President <laughs> Ronald Reagan. Wait, his... sorry. Can I just can I just interrupt you? I think because all of this, this is, is from, from one article. We should. Okay. Uh, yeah, I yeah. want to credit the article. Uh, Starlog magazine, uh, November 1988. Uh, so what is Starlog magazine? It's just a science fiction magazine. Uh, that, okay film magazine science fiction film magazine and it does interviews with like people in the in the industry they did an uh, uh uh mandy pankin the guy who played uh indigo in uh the princess mandy Bride. patankin mandy patankin that's his name yeah um and they have a bunch of interviews about star trek uh so just like insider people but this is a uh yeah. an interview with john carpenter by uh, a writer named steve swires so mm. that's what that's what this what Jake's quoting here. So uh, appalled by the greed and corruption sanctioned by President Ronald Reagan and his political <laughs> allies, Carpenter has created a trenchant 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 so, trenchant social satire which joyously punctures the presumption of the selfish me generation run rampant. I'm disgusted by what we've become in America. The 40-year-old director declares, I truly believe there is brain death in this country. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's pretty, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty blunt. Yeah. This, honestly, John Carpenter does not come off amazingly well in this, in this interview. Yeah. No. Like. Just comes off angry. <laughs> he comes off, he comes off angry and just a bit out of touch. I don't know. This is a whole Anyway, carry on. Finish the quote. The most fun I've had in a long while began in the fall of 1986 when the Reagan administration scandal started unfolding. 
It's the first time I've had, <laughs> it's the first good time I've had since Richard Nixon resigned, Carpenter says. <laughs> Frankly, I'm sorry to see Reagan and his um, cronies leave office because they're all such crooks. Wait, what? Huh? Why would you be sorry for this? Yeah, show? I don't understand. Oh. Yeah, he's enjoying um, the show. He's enjoying the show. Right. Okay. Which doesn't come off well, especially now that we've we've passed the age of Trump, where it's like... yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, you ain't seen nothing yet, buddy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, you, I, if you like that, you would have really liked this. Yeah. So, so he said, um, I hadn't watched watched much television over the years, but I began watching TV again. He recounts, I quickly realized that everything we see is designed to sell us something. My awareness became so acute after a while that I couldn't even watch MTV. It's all about wanting us to buy something. The only thing they want us to—the only thing they want to do—is to take our money. <laughs> so yeah, it's pretty clear what he's going for. It's like all yeah, like I mean, he just comes off like, like even without having read these interviews, like just seeing the movie of just being really better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which I mean, yeah. sure, perhaps for good reason, but yeah, it's very like, it's like, a, a pretty very much like. Like the whole movie is a bit like ranting. Okay, you know? we get it. We yeah. get it, buddy. It's an angry yeah. rant. Yeah, exactly. And it in fact, an he ha- he has Frank do some angry rants for yeah, him. Let's <laughs> try to cut us down. Which it's funny. I think Jake and I were talking about this when we watched the movie. That it's a bit weird that the like Frank and and Nada basically do. A character switch like uh, off the bat of the movie like because yeah. at the beginning frank is the one who's ranting and angry about the system and then yeah, and he's telling him to cool down and he, man and then or yeah whatever. and then he's telling yeah not a time to cool down and it'll all work out and then yeah. as soon as he finds the sunglasses he's the one who's angry and ranting well, sunglasses and, and frank very is very convincing yeah frank is like nah man i'm walking in a thin white line i don't want to get in any trouble it's like that was that's very much at odds with how the earlier dynamic was. Yeah, I got a wife and two kids, man. I don't want to get involved. Keep Frank, me out of this. Frank talks a big game. Yeah. yeah, the whole Frank character is a bit thin, but I don't know. I I like his character. I like it too. He's fine. I yeah, mean, he's, um, he's, he's I do find there for the fight. I do find it unbelievable that he would stand, like that he would hold up in a fight against Rowdy Roddy Piper. It's very clear that he's way well, less he, fit than, he, than he, Roddy he, Piper. Roddy recently fell out of a window. Yeah, he, <laughs> True. <laughs> he fell 50 feet onto his back. Yeah, that's the Okay, all right. That evens it up a bit. <laughs> so let's move on. Okay. Debuting as associate producer is Carpenter's regular script supervisor who and his real life girlfriend sandy king who who wrote his upcoming science fiction adventure victory out of time so i just included that little detail because as we've noticed about carpenter he has a tendency to do this tendency to do what to oh uh date people who he works with yeah actually but uh to be fair to him i believe they got married after this and i believe if i'm Correct, that they're still married. Is he still married to Sandy King? Yes, he is, yeah. Oh, there you go. I mean, he also married the last person we were talking about, too. So yeah, I mean, I mean, The fact that he's still married to her is, is, is that's the clincher, not the fact that they got married. Because I believe <laughs> right. he married Adrian Barbeau as well. 
Yeah, they're still married. Excellent. Well, there you go. Good for them. She stars in the movie, or was she just was? No, she's not in this movie, but she's she in a couple supervisor. other John Carpenter. Mo- oh, sorry, okay. Sandy King. Yeah, not Adrian Barbeau was in a couple other John Carpenter movies. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so the that was just the the little uh, a little aside. The actual more important thing was this thing about the his uh talking about the black and white, um, use of black and white in the film. Right. Layering multiple levels of meaning into his script, Carpenter seized on the sunglasses as a means to include additional allegorical implications. (laughs) The point of view through the sunglasses is in black and white, he notes. For example, you look at a city street in color, and then you put on the glasses and you see what is really there. The truth is seen in black and white. It's as if the aliens have colorized us. That means, of course, that Ted Turner is really the monster from outer space. <laughs> okay, this actually cuts at a at um, something that I guess a lot of people might not be familiar with uh, in this day and age, uh, which is that. So there was sort of a trend. Uh, I guess it was in sort of the the eighties of um, yeah of taking black and white movies and colorizing them mm-hmm. and specifically like ted turner uh who i guess he's a cable mogul yeah. <laughs> turner yeah. television yeah. yeah so uh he is um he was specifically like because he owned the rights to a lot of these ma- movies he would get them colorized and so to a lot of the uh film establishments purists. film purists Oh, which I I would include myself, uh, found the practice to just be absolutely um, sacrilegious because the way that they were intended to be seen was the way that they were shot, which is in black yes, and white. I don't. I wouldn't call it sacrilegious per se. In my opinion, it just looks worse. Well, yeah. I mean, it probably yeah. I don't imagine you could do that of a job, but I mean, yeah. If something was shot in black and white without the option of color, I don't know that it was in its intention to be in black and white. That was just the only option. Yeah. So, well, no, exactly. no. But I'm saying like you're not seeing the film as the product because I mean the point is like they made all these sort of adjustments based on the fact that it, that they knew it was going to be presented in black and white, right? Maybe. Yeah. Yes, they so. might not have. have. And I mean, also, it's just also the argument that the people who are colorizing it have no connection to the Yeah, also, you don't know film. what color the original people were wearing on set and everything like that, right? You can tell based but, on, like, colorblindness scales. You can, but anyway. So the point is that it's like... Yeah, I get it's, like, it's... I fall in the middle, I it's, think. It's I think. like, um, it's like, to me, it's like... Star Wars the special edition. I don't think it's like that. <laughs> it's like, sure, it's you like know. That. I think it's if, um, like that. If George Lucas had CGI, he probably would have used it. But yeah, exactly. Going back and putting it in there is just so fucking stupid and is Although, like Didn't George but it's, Lucas it's less okay of, that? I don't didn't think he want that to happen. I think it was no, he his did. idea. I know. I know um, it was his so that idea. So kind of, that kind of changes. Uh, then actually the allegory falls apart with that. But, but it's, okay. also, it's also more like, it's more something that like sticks out as a sore thumb, right? Because like, yeah. if you're colorizing a movie, it's just changing it from black and white, which yeah. is a base level large shift, but it doesn't 
like it doesn't specifically change you know like you know there's a giant flying alien that's been superimposed on this scene yeah yeah that's true and, but, I, and I think what you were saying about, like, the intention of adjustments being made for black and yeah, white. Like, well, like, you don't know how many of the movies, I, like, I'm sure there are a lot of movies that made usage of the fact that they know it's going to yeah. be in black and white to do certain, I don't know, whatever, optical illusions. Or they, they used it for specific things, or they yeah. made certain adjustments, but you, I, mean, I don't know well, if that no, applies like, as a sweeping statement. Like the the way that, like, everything was done back in the day... Like, all the costumes were done in a certain way so that it would show up properly on black and white film. And we talked about this, actually, a little bit in the last episode, which now yeah, I realize was the black general. black film last week, yes. <laughs> yeah, so, but there were all these sorts of things that just had to be done, right? as a matter of fact, because people were shooting on black and white film, right? Yeah. And for, like, 50 years, they spent working with black and white film. They got really good at setting up everything so that it looked proper on black and white film, right? Right. And so... When you, anyway, this whole thing is basically whole, a sidetrack. I was trying to explain why people yeah, were mad about colorizing right. and Ted Turner. But anyway, no, you're trying to explain why he made that joke about Ted Turner. <laughs> yes. So the point is that like Ted Turner. This is what he's referencing here. Yeah. He's and this is his idea. He's like saying like you know the real thing like you know the real thing is like you know the black and white world you know like right. it's like you know the aliens they i don't know it doesn't it doesn't 100 make percent make sense if you follow not, his like logic no it's not the greatest um metaphor <laughs> also i'd like to point out how bad the black and white is what do you mean it's all paintings i'm fairly sure like well yeah because they're not actually gonna yeah it's really fake looking like black and white paintings and sets no it's like i think it's just the billboards that were painted the no the perspective of a lot of the buildings looks really wonky in the black and white scenes it looks it looks pretty bad there are Um, definitely some shots but i think some of that is a bit intentional yeah like but but you can actually tell they just took the shot and then painted over it because you can see it matches perfectly when he's taking the sunglasses on and off. Yeah. Yes. They did talk about um, in the article. They did talk about like how that was like kind of a a a, a technical nightmare. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> but if they painted over everything to make it gray. No, no. Like, like they they took black and white. They just the signs would have been painted. Right. But like because the scene, they, for they example, did something yeah. there's something about the perspective is is weird. I guess it maybe because they didn't make the black and white adjustments. <laughs> so I think we'll talk about the black and white a little bit more. I imagine it might come up a little bit later. Yeah, so let's talk about the fight first of all. Yeah, like, I think uh, it was, it's we should talk about the fight. So this is to I think a lot of people the highlight of the film. Who yeah. to who to whom isn't it? Exactly. Like this is one of the most entertaining fight scenes I've ever watched, to be honest. Like, perhaps not surpassed until Dwayne the Rock Johnson joined the Fast and the Furious franchise. Yeah, yeah. we might have to agree to disagree on that one. Can you read this? I mean, there's something special about pro wrestlers doing fight scenes in movies. There is. I mean, there is. I mean, they really know how to make it look real. Yeah, they're that's their job. Okay. This simmering ideological conflict between Nada and Frank eventually explodes into what may be the longest screen fight in movie history. 
Quote, they fight for seven and a half minutes. Carpenter announces gleefully, it's really a wrestling match in the middle of the picture. It's an incredibly brutal and funny fight along the lines of the slugfest between John Wayne and Victor McClaglin in The Quiet Man. Roddy Keith, the stunt coordinator, Jeff, Imada and I rehearsed it for three weeks. It isn't a fake movie fight. Those guys really hit each other, but at the same time, they were also playing a scene. It's one of the film's high points. So John Carpenter agrees that it's one of the film's high points. It's also, they were not hitting each other. Actually, they were. There were so many fake hits. So here's what they wasn't real. All the hits were real except for the groin hits. <laughs> yeah, but even if they're if they hit each other, they're not hitting each other full force. It, it I don't wasn't know, like man. a real punch to the face. It was like a stage hit. Yeah, it's not well, a no, real. It was like a wrestle. It was like a WWE hit. Yeah, but those yeah. aren't real hits. Most of the time, they don't even what hit do you each mean other. Not real contact <laughs> is made, I think. But most of the time in the WWE, there's no contact. Oh really? Um, yeah, but like he's not slamming the back of his head into a con- into no, the concrete. No, but but they are actually making contact. But apparently, like according to them, the only hits that weren't real were the groin hits. Uh huh. Thank God. Yeah. Um. But yeah, there's a, there's some interesting uh things about the scene. Apparently, originally, the scene was only supposed to be twenty seconds long. Right. <laughs> really. And then uh like. I guess it got to editing and they realized like John Carpenter was just like, I can't cut a single second of this. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> so John Carpenter is a fan of pro wrestling, by the way. I, just, He's I a think huge that should fan. be Yeah. <laughs> that's that's what I was just gonna say. Yeah. That's why Rowdy Roddy Piper is even in the film. He yeah. he he went to WrestleMania three, which was yeah. Rowdy Roddy Piper's final um wrestling match his retirement match and they became best of friends at that event which they Ooh. were until Roddy Ra- Rowdy Roddy Piper's death in 2015 they were good friends um but yeah he's a huge fan of wrestling isn't that a bit it's pretty fun like that's quite ironic what i don't know like the wwe <laughs> is very capitalist well, and is very much used to advertise yeah many WWE is but Roddy Ra- Rowdy Roddy Piper I keep saying it backwards no just yeah. just just not that he's his friend but just that he loves pro wrestling yeah well oh, yeah. I don't know you, you can like something and not like yeah you can be it's... I mean not every like you know to, to live life without being a hypocrite is impossible yeah. But... Yeah. but anyway um yeah so but just with him being so adamant about uh yeah but uh so back to the fight i can't remember where i heard this and i wasn't actually able to confirm it in my quick research okay but i believe in the script all it says is they fight (laughs) (laughs) is that all it says (laughs) yeah yeah i i looked quickly i couldn't find it but i'm pretty sure that like in the script for that entire second it just says they fight and so basically it was choreographed uh just by them like actually in the backyard of uh uh john carpenter's production office (laughs) uh (laughs) i'm i'm sure 
Roddy Ruddy Piper ended up doing a lot more work on that than he had signed up for. Yeah, I'm sure he was happy Probably. to do it though because he's yeah. really. It's just like he's the only one who knows how to choreograph a fight. It's like fine, oh you're doing it wrong. I'll do yeah. It. But yeah, no, yeah. like uh, you know, they really like actually. You, I think the the makeup also after the fight is is really well done because they really do look so fucked up. Oh, they, they look a bit look swollen. So, yeah, I mean, pretty brutal. At in usual WWE fashion, it's not um like the suspension of disbelief of that that would be the aftermath aftermath of that fight. Yeah. is kind of lost but they do look like they entered a pretty bad fight but yeah. just not that fight. well he looks yeah, he looks not... worse after his fight than he does after he fell out of the window yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah i mean and given that he had his head smashed into the concrete like yeah. 10 times that would make sense <laughs> yeah but yeah they, they they couldn't cut a single second on that that's pretty good um i mean how i wonder I... I wonder if the points where they were laughing in the middle of the fight were were unintentional then? Oh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how many takes they took. They're like buddy buddy laughing at yeah. each other. Like or I guess I don't. I forget what it was that was happening. But they like laughed and it was like, are they supposed to be friends right now? I mean, obviously there's supposed to be some still some mutual respect between each other. Maybe it was an outtake accidentally. Maybe. Um. So I found, I found a copy of the script for sale. Oh, yeah? Okay. For oh. $300, signed yeah, by do... Rowdy Rowdy Piper. That's pretty good. That's some good shit. That's not very expensive. No, I'd buy that. Well, I, I wouldn't buy that, but I want to buy that. <laughs> <laughs> it might cost you um, more because it's just to make an offer to the owner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what was I going to say? So you mentioned earlier about uh, the hypocrisy of the WWE kind of representing everything that this movie is about. <laughs> a little bit. I mean, maybe so, that's a bit... Maybe I overstated the case a bit, like, you know. But, well, but I well, think there's a bit it, of that. It's, for it's sure. funny you should mention that because, uh, so uh, initially, uh, when Roddy Piper was going to do this movie, yeah. uh, Vince McMahon found out about it. And uh, oh, no. Vince McMahon, who was the head of the WWE, um, WWF at the time, uh, he, he found out about it and was like, John Carpenter? No. You're not doing that movie. Uh, give me, give me three weeks. I'll find you a movie for the same pay, and you'll do that one. And then, this guy, yeah, he's a <laughs> famously kind of a crazy control freak, isn't he? Yeah, and this is this is what Roddy Piper, Roddy Piper actually called him a control freak. Um, but so basically, um, he uh, he didn't want to do the movie that Vince McMahon found for him, right? He was like, no, I want to do They Live. And so the result of this was eventually uh, Roddy Piper taking a leave of absence from the WWE. Oh, wow. And, um, and when he came back, uh, Roddy Piper credited the movie with helping his wrestling career. Damn right. Because, um, well, because I think, like, you know, it appeals to, like, some, a lot of the people who enjoy the WWE. And like you know, uh, while this is a cult movie, I do think that you know, a lot of people saw it like you know, and then enjoyed the fight scene, enjoyed the fight scene, and then saw matches with Roddy Roddy Piper in it. I thought you said that he yeah. retired before this movie. 
Well, so, mm, he went in and out of retirement. He, yeah, so like, okay, so he actually he talked about this. As, so somebody, I was watching an interview with him, and he says, and so he actually did come back afterwards after the WrestleMania three. Yeah, yeah. So basically, um, uh, somebody asked him, uh, so why did you leave the WWE? And then he was like, which time? <laughs> right. And then he was like, well, I'll talk about the, uh, I'll talk about the one time because the rest of them were ploys ah. <laughs> that's funny i mean i hear that is, that is a thing they do a lot isn't it they, like, yeah. fake, fake uh retirement well, so yeah they can come back. yeah yeah it's like when bands do that mm-hmm. but uh yeah so he left the wwe the 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 only time that he considers that he actually left the wwe was to do this movie right yeah it's funny but yeah and he he thinks it helped his career so that's good for him cool so this is what carpenter said about him he said uh quote unquote unlike most hollywood actors uh roddy has life written all over (laughs) all over him he's been hit so many times that he's really broken up he even walks funny because his pelvis was shattered and his back was wrenched. Like, why are you so excited about this, John? Because he um, loves pro wrestling. Yeah, he's definitely <laughs> not a pretty boy. He's the toughest guy well, I've he's ever a heel. met. He sounds like he's in love with Roddy. <laughs> he does. Oh, that sounds so dumb. He's the toughest guy I've ever met. You could he's run a totally truck into Roddy and he Robbie. would still be yeah, standing. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty funny, though. <laughs> But yeah, he's a he's a big fan clearly. So, uh, what was that? Uh, Keith David's the actor's name. Yes, um, this he... is the second Carpenter movie that he's in, actually. Yeah, and he was in a couple after this too. I think he's been in yeah. so many fucking movies and things. Like his voice is just so recognizable. Like I recognize his voice before I recognize, like, what. Did I'm you by any chance play Halo, Keaton? Hells yeah, I did. <laughs> he's so many people. He's he's been in so many things. Like, let me just look at his. Who is this? Um, um Keith David, who plays Frank. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I should have been more specific about that. Yeah. Um, I was watching an episode of Doctor Who. Yeah. And there was this guy, uh, who uh, was like an astronaut in it. Yeah. And I heard his voice, and I was like, "What's that voice? I recognize that voice." It's this old man. I recognize the voice. I'm like, is that the guy who narrates Civ Five? <laughs> <laughs> is, is and, it, and it was classic. <laughs> what episode? Um, the one where they go back in time uh, to like the '60s. It's one of the ones. I don't know. It's like a like with um which doctor? Uh, what's his name? Matt something. Matt Smith. Oh, Matt Smith. I don't yeah. know that. I don't know those ones as well. Yeah. Anywho, did you find what you're I assume you're not going to put that in. <laughs> we might. I don't know. No, I'm just still. I'm just looking through his his uh his filmography. His filmography. His TV TVography um is even more extensive. But the thing about him is he's done so many like side roles. Um. Yeah, like, I don't. I don't think he's really starred in. Movies. No, he's not really like. I think this is might be one of the closest he's come to a starring role. Yeah, is in this movie, and uh, the other movie he was in with was The Thing. Mm. Um, that was the role that got him this movie. He thought it was really good. I think John John Cumber actually wrote this role for Keith David. Yeah, I believe so. He like 
he was he thought he could yeah although did you know that he wrote uh roddy piper's uh role for kurt russell well that doesn't surprise me i didn't know and i i apparently he decided that he the the reason i imagine that that he did not uh cast kurt russell in it because I believe that Kurt Russell would not have been on board for the political message of the film. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a bit more uh, right-leaning, isn't he? I think he was a Reagan fan. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> so why um, would also, he want him in the movie anyways? Yeah. Well, because well, think... he loves Kurt Russell as an actor. He's, he's, he's cast Kurt Russell in so many of his movies. <laughs> Yeah, That's Alien strange. Witness, Kurt Russell. Um, yeah. Also, Kurt Russell. I don't think we, I don't think you could run Kurt Russell down with a truck, and he'd still be standing. No, he, I don't think he could fall out of the window. I don't and, think he could still yeah. be standing. <laughs> yeah. Who wins in a fight, Rowdy Roddy Piper or Kurt Russell? Well, Rowdy Roddy, Roddy Piper. Roddy, Roddy, Piper. Roddy, Roddy Piper would beat dead. most people in a fight. <laughs> yeah. That's the why he's in this movie. He's the toughest guy John Carpenter yeah. has ever met. Yeah. You must not have met Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Maybe not. Well, I mean, Dwayne The Rock Johnson wasn't a wrestler yet. No. Not yet. But Was he still... Uh, was, was he a college football player at this point, maybe? No, it was too, <laughs> it was too early for that. But then why would they have met still? Oh, no, in this, t- at this time. Yeah, yeah at this time, yeah. Yeah, 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 no, yeah. Been, yeah. Why would they have met? I don't know. He seems to meet pro wrestlers, so... <laughs> why would he have met Rowdy Roddy Piper? I don't know, yeah. Well, well apparently uh when when uh when roddy piper like originally got offered the role he'd never heard of john carpenter which is not surprising hmm. because uh, <laughs> but um yeah apparently uh uh he just uh invited him to dinner and then uh he was like hey yo you wanna you wanna be in my movie and then i guess roddy piper just like yeah that sounds cool <laughs> that's funny. That is funny. Apparently, that it didn't funny. take much convincing, and he didn't even know about John Carpenter. It was just like, all right, okay, okay. we'll do a movie. Yeah. He seems like a pretty, pretty nice. He seems guy, like a chill honestly. guy. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I think like I don't think pro wrestlers actually like they get compensated, but I don't think they make so much money, right? Like that's yeah. why you see so many of them using the notoriety of that platform has a springboard yeah. into other Absolutely, acting yeah. or, or other stuff like that ways of marketing themselves yeah i mean did, it, did, you, did you catch roddy piper in it's always sunny in philadelphia yeah i did not know that he was in that that's pretty funny. He's, he's the maniac the maniac yeah there's too many episodes i don't think i've seen that one <laughs> the wrestling episode he's in the yeah, wrestling he's episode, in the wrestling episode. <laughs> like what uh, the trash man episode? yeah he's in that episode. oh he's in that episode okay yeah i he's don't the, remember him in that though all i remember is the trash man <laughs> yeah. like, he got pretty mad that was only ten dollars yeah. <laughs> um so yeah uh, uh back to keith david uh uh john carpenter said <laughs> this is still connected to Roddy Piper so don't worry um, he said there's a quality about him which is warm and wonderful Keith is a big guy and I needed a big guy to fight Roddy Piper <laughs> you definitely um, do that is yeah. not a exaggeration still a physical mismatch but yeah yeah um, then he goes on to say about yeah, I don't know. I, I, what did you guys think of uh, uh, Meg? What was it? Is it Meg Foster? I believe it is. 
plays Holly. She does. Meg Holly? Foster, yes. Uh, she does play Holly. Yeah. Uh, I thought she was not very good in this film. I thought she was fine. I mean, she definitely oozed, like, I'm secretly evil. Yeah. I guess she did. <laughs> you know, she, she was okay. Like, um, I mean, in, like, the denouement, it doesn't make very much sense, but I don't think that's her fault. What, for her not being in the... Yeah, just, like, the lot... Yeah. And well, just it makes the... sense if you realize that she's evil, and then she teleported back to the TV station with her Rolex. Right, and then and then did a full yeah. wardrobe change. Yeah, exactly. Um, but that's not her fault. Yeah, she was she was fine. It's a bit like, yeah, her, I think guess her character was a bit uh, one dimensional. Yeah, I mean, even when she was yeah. killing Frank, it was a bit of like, you know, oh, bang. It's like it's like like breathiness and just kind of distant the whole time was her. Yeah. Was her, uh, was her character but yeah i mean, yeah, I guess I I mean on agree. the one hand yeah on the one hand her character like wasn't written very like substantially and then yeah. on the other hand I don't, I don't know i just well her acting wasn't incredibly impressive to me but that's just i don't know that's just a little side thought um but john carpenter thinks she's very underrated and deserves to be more successful mm-hmm. was she in any other john carpenter movies i don't know nothing off the top that i can see no it doesn't look like she was in any other john carpenter films yeah uh yeah no I, she was fine like forgettable yeah yeah well i mean i'm not mean, a I, standout I yeah, not, yeah a standout. not forgettable because i mean know, the she, whole movie is yeah a... the every second of that movie is memorable <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay okay um so finally uh let's just talk about the some just very practical things about the shooting they uh they began well they shot it over the course of eight weeks um in between uh wow i'm really botching this sentence um they shot it in eight weeks during march and april of 1988 um in la and this is what the article says they said uh among actual street people in downtown Los Angeles. Um, And then this is where Carpenter starts to come off even more poorly, in my opinion. Um, Jake, do you want to read that? The one on the right there. We went into the dirtiest alleys that we could find, he recalls. The environment was very familiar to me. When I first came to California to these 20 years ago to attend USC film school, I lived in the ghetto. I went to downtown Los Angeles to go to all the night grindhouse movie theaters where winos slept. So I knew about the pain and poverty of the homeless. But when Uh... I went back to downtown LA to shoot They Live, I was shocked to see how many more people there were on the streets now. The problem has grown to unbelievable proportions. He just sounds, I don't know, he sounds like such a liberal yuppie there. I don't know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just like, oh yeah, when I was in film school at USC, I lived in a ghetto and I went to like, I I know the pain of being homeless because I went to all these like... Because I saw some homeless out. people while I walked to school. Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. that particular uh, like turn of phrase, I, I know the pain of the homeless people. It was like, I was like, 
Well, I don't know if you could you do. say <laughs> that. Like, I mean, that comes off quite poorly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm relatable. Anyway, that could just be the... This This article is written very uh, florally. What's the word I'm looking for? I mean, I guess that's a direct quote, so... Oh, the what? Yeah. Well, I mean... I think that definitely this journalist like has has latched on to this idea. <laughs> like, is yeah. rolling with it. Yeah. Um, but... Or maybe you know it's the aliens that are trying to make him come off bad because he's telling the truth. Oh shit! Oh shit! So that we don't take him seriously, you know. The the very last thing that I don't know why I'm putting together this case of John Carpenter's being a dick, but I am putting <laughs> together this case. Um, this is this uh, this is my last quote before we can move on to the sec- the next section. Um, so we built a huge. This is you know the newsstand scene, obviously. Yeah. Um, so this is what where he's, he's flipping through the magazine. <laughs> obey, yeah. obey, oh. obey. Um, Reproduce. Yeah. Um, he says we built a huge newsstand and filled it for half the production with normal magazines. He explains. We use that to shoot our color material. Then we changed the display and substituted magazines with blank covers with slogans printed on them. We use that to shoot our black and white material. And then this is where he gets really douchey. Um, people who didn't see the cameras walked by on the street. They literally paid no attention when the cover said, Obey. They looked for a moment and moved right on. We had a big sign on a building which said, Conform. People oh, so they did actually put it. up a real sign, yeah. People glanced up at it and didn't give it a second thought. It was hard to believe. It's like, uh, because you're in LA and they know you're shooting. Yeah, I don't think I would like if I was walking through downtown LA. They probably thought it was some kind of art piece or art display, or they just know that it's for. Or maybe they saw the cameras. Yeah, (laughs) like what I what it feels like he's trying to say there is like, oh wow, you know, you're all sheeple. Exactly. That's what yeah. No. Like. Yeah. For sure. But anyway, that is my that's my case of John Carpenter's a bit of an out of a t- out of touch douche in 1988. I buy that to some degree at least. I don't know. It's funny. Like if you if you watch like an interview with him like more recently, he still seems just as bitter. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, if you were as bitter as he was about Reagan, and then you lived through the trump years i think you'd yeah. be pretty i you just you know yeah i can imagine a lot of bitterness i feel like you um, have to either change your life view or you're gonna get pretty maybe you need bitter. to conform <laughs> <laughs> but anyway that brings Obey. us on to our next segment we're gonna talk about how they shot it Cool. Um, so, uh, this is a segment where we talk about exactly just that. Sometimes we get uh, Keaton to guess something about how they shot it. Yeah, well, normally I like kind of posit what I think, and then you tell me how it actually went. Yeah. Um, in the, so, in, first of all, the... let's just uh, go over some personnel here. Oh, yes. No so, Dean Cundy. Yeah, no Dean Cundy, and it shows. You know, those uh, those <laughs> oh, aliens, shit. you know, the, the, you know. You know, when Dean Cundy shoots a rubber mask, 
It looks. It doesn't look like Rubber Man. <laughs> I have no idea who Dean Cundy is. Yeah, so Dean Cundy is the director of photography for many John Carpenter movies. Okay, but not this. So, one. Uh, but not this one, because um, Dean Cundy, I assume, had gone on to bigger, better things. Right. He also did um, like Jurassic Park. Yeah, he also did like several more well-known and popular movies. Uh, but yeah, so, uh, but yeah, so Dean Cundy. It's specifically very good at, at, at lighting, such that that rubber props look more convincing. Right. Uh, such as in Jurassic Park. Indeed. Right. Or in The Thing. Um, so yes, uh, no Dean Cundy. Sorry. Would you say that was that would that was that an issue in this film? In this film. Well, I feel like not during in the black opinion? and white parts, but when it gets into color. Like the makeup does look pretty bad. It looks pretty bad. I mean, in the black and white parts, it's a bit inconsistent. It looks yeah, weird. it's uh, it's okay. But I mean, <laughs> but we, I we mean, kind of already discussed the fact that they don't really put that much effort into most of the sci-fi stuff. So yeah, like, I kind of just yeah. would have attributed yeah, it to that. But uh, yeah. So the director of photography here is Gary B. Kibb, who, um, you know, he's uh, he's been around. He's done movies like RoboCop three. <laughs> that's <laughs> a really China. that's a really bad movie. That is like a, RoboCop that is a, three, known for being PG thirteen. Yeah, that is one so. Of you know, the worst he's, he's he's done some movies. Um, you know, uh, the only one you've listed is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. <laughs> I so. said Big Trouble in Little China. Oh, I didn't hear that one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That movie. <laughs> Another John Carpenter movie. Yeah. Um. So so yeah so director of photography not Dean Cundey unfortunately, and um uh first assistant camera is Jeffrey Norvitt. Why do we care about first assistant camera? Because they're as I have mentioned on a previous episode, they are the people who have the thankless job of keeping everything in focus. <laughs> Oh god, such a nightmare job. I know. Uh, <laughs> so, Keaton and Felix as well, since you are a special guest. Okay. Today, did you notice any anything about the way that you thought this movie was shot that seemed interesting? Um, you know, notable besides, you know, the bit about black and white that we mentioned. <laughs> Well, mostly was, how bad the black and white looks. That was um, yeah, that was your big note was that the black and white looks terrible. Yeah. Um I mean they shot it, you know, through a pair of sunglasses, so like, you know, it's not gonna look great. <laughs> <laughs> well that was I was wondering how they did the black and white in that scenario. Because I know we've had some extensive conversations about um uh uh Yeah, my my assumption Actually, is that they would have used black and white film, but given the fact that they had to shoot the same thing in black and white and in color, my yeah. guess is that they wouldn't want to have to change the magazine to change up the film in between shots. So no. they may have just done the same shot both times on color and then in post have then expose that onto a second piece of black and white film. So that might explain why it looks Because bad. there would have been an extra generation of film uh, that there would be some odd quality to the 
to the right. footage. Right. So that uh, but that's just why. speculation. I don't. I don't know that for sure. But that's just me thinking because. Pretty sure that's because the of this podcast. They have to keep the shot, like, because they had to shoot the exact same thing in color and black and white. Yeah. It would have taken too long to like set up to change the magazine in between yeah. shots to get the exact same shot. Yeah. 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 That's fair. Yeah. That, that makes that makes some sense. Practically, um, yeah, it just seems like especially other how many times about they do that. How it was shot. Oh, um, they really loved zooming in on the barrel of guns as they're shooting. <laughs> oh, they in, the, yeah. in all the gunfights, like they're <laughs> shooting, yeah, yeah, and then like as they're shooting, each time somebody shoots yeah. a gun, there's like a full screen zoom in shot yeah. of the the same gun barrel, which doesn't yeah. look consistent makes, with what they're shooting. Makes me feel like. They had just figured out a way to make that muzzle flash look cool. Well, maybe they wanted to save on because uh, they needed to keep the budget low. You know, uh, yeah. you know, you know, uh, it costs it costs a lot of money to like you know get blank cartridges and shit. You know, right. like if you just show the same shot, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. blank cartridge. You know, you don't have to. But they didn't need yeah. to show that at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because if they'd done it in the wide shot, they couldn't reuse the same shot. Exactly. But it was a superfluous shot. Yeah, no, yeah. he's saying that they didn't need to cut to the muzzle. It would have been fine. <laughs> no, no, but I'm not. saying, like, if you were shooting, right, and you had to show the muzzle flash in the wide shot. But that's what he's saying, is you don't have to show the muzzle flash. Right, no, but you have to show that they're shooting, right? But they show yeah. that, and then they yeah. show the muzzle flash. Yeah. yeah. So what I'm saying, like, I'm saying in the wide shot, they're not actually firing the guns. Are they not? That's my thoughts. This is all speculation. Okay. But my guess is one of the reasons they might have done that was because, you know... I think there's other th- sh- scenes where they show them. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I maybe know. they ran out of blank cartridges. Um, that's one. Like, that's, we have to shoot through. <laughs> that's another yeah. one of my comments. Yeah. Um, I don't have any particular comments. Why? What's interesting about the way they shot this movie? Uh, well, I mean, this is a a you know fairly widespread thing but it's the first movie that we've actually come across on this segment that was shot anamorphic what does that mean okay so uh this movie was shot in a rather wide aspect ratio 2.35 to 1 you notice the black bars on the top and bottom of your screen indeed sure. um so anamorphic is a process that is used to create a wider image while using the same area of of film on a 35 millimeter piece of film so the way they do that is they put an extra element in front of the lens that is curved in one direction so it 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 squashes the entire image right uh horizontally it's just just a lens addition then it is and so then when you project it you 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 do the reverse and unsqueeze it. Right. So you need so a, you get a wider image on the same size piece of film. So you need a specific projector. You yeah, you need a specific uh, lens and a specific projector lens. But that, would that not really increase the cost of of getting it into box offices? Uh, yes, it, it does. Theaters, yeah, but this yeah. Uh, the anamorphic was widely adopted in the nineteen late nineteen fifties when uh, uh, when television first came out, and so basically. Uh, theaters were trying to introduce all sorts of like new ways new to like you know 
show, you know, oh, theaters are way better than television. Look how wide this fucking image is. Right. <laughs> so they were still able to like spend on. tons of money. That. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, interestingly, this, uh, well, not particularly interestingly, actually. Uh, this is uh, a great way to introduce a fact. <laughs> not this is particularly was specifically shot in the uh, 35 millimeter Panavision process, which is credited in the film. But it yeah. is, according to John Carpenter, the greatest system anybody has ever come up with for according making films. To John and according to John Carpenter, and I think pretty much every John Carpenter film is shot anamorphic. Even the really cheap ones, that's where he spent all his money, is getting anamorphic lenses, I guess. That's funny. <laughs> um, but yeah, actually, in a lot of the wide shots, you can see, like, the shots are, like, so wide, like, that you see, like, barrel distortion on the edge of the frame, like, the, like, straight lines are curving outwards, because mm. it's, like, so wide. Because, I don't know, he's, just, awesome. he's just into that. Yeah. That actually does make sense, though, now, like, now that I'm thinking of it, that it, it being a particularly wide shot. Yeah. Um... And so yeah, that's uh, that's what I think is is worth mentioning with this film, with how they shot it. Also, the black and white stuff, but that's purely speculation. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. That is cool. Thanks for the lowdown. Yeah. That is our lowdown. Um. So. Uh. What do we What do we do next? Well, we're nearing we're nearing the end of our episode of our special episode. Um, we just have two more segments i believe we do have two more segments i'm kind of kind of are those the two segments that i think they are are they they could be (laughs) (laughs) yeah so uh felix uh who is a return guest on the podcast has quickly picked up on the fact that uh you know we're about to talk about Star Trek. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, there's two segments that I can think of that haven't happened yet. Okay, we have uh, we have a really good segment here for yeah. Six Degrees. Okay. So we um, got we got. I'm particularly excited because this is like the most Star Trek I've watched. Between, Recently. Yeah, between Star Trek segments. Right. I don't know if it's going to connect to any Star Trek that you recently watched. That's okay. That's okay. I'm just, I'm in the zone is the point. So lay it on me. Okay. So, um, we're going to start with Meg Foster. (laughs) Okay. This is a direct connection to the Star Trek Deep Space Nine episode, The Muse. So this is actually, this is actually a kind of, uh, talked about that one before. Is she the muse? Sorry. I believe she is the muse. Whose muse is she? Jake Sisko. <laughs> have, you, have, you, have you ever watched Deep Space Nine, Felix? No. Okay, so Deep, Jake Sisko is... Benjamin Sisko's brother. Benjamin Sisko's son, and he's like a writer. Uh, so in this episode, he's uh, he's like... He meets this mysterious woman uh, who like helps him like write. And she inspires him. She inspires him, but also she's like sucking his life force. Yeah. Cool. And yeah, that's uh, that's Meg Foster. She's in that episode. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, very good. Very good. Good to know. Good to know. She's described in that episode as an alluring woman arriving on the station. Um. Okay. <laughs> who do we have next? The next direct connection. Uh, somebody who uh, was already 
uh, mentioned was Alan Howarth. Alan, that's I didn't mention it because I thought he might be, he might come so up again. Alan Howarth uh, is a musician. Um, he's done a lot of work with synthesizers, specifically with John Carpenter. Indeed. But he's also a very accomplished man in the uh, in the realm of Star Trek for having created special sound effects. Oh, nice. For pretty much all of the uh, T, uh, TOS movies. So Star Trek, the motion picture, Wrath of Khan, Sorcerer Spock, etc. But not for the series? The just whales. for the movies? Just for the films, yeah. Why? Uh, for the original series, synthesizers were not available yet, I assume. Okay. Um, but yeah, so... <laughs> He he did the a lot of the warp sound effects and things like that. Yeah, cool. Um, pretty cool guy. Uh, so yeah, direct Very connection cool. right there. And now uh, the this next connection is one that I think you will enjoy, Felix. Oh yeah. Okay, so let's start with this is a two degrees. So this is somebody who's been in some with somebody. Somebody's been in this movie has been in something else with somebody who's been in Star Trek. Okay. Okay. So WrestleMania 19. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is 2003 TV uh, special. Um, has Rowdy Rowdy Piper in it. Okay. You know who else is in, in this? One Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Oh, fuck yeah. Bud. Dwayne The Rock Johnson has indeed been in Star Trek. Yes, he okay. has. <laughs> when? <laughs> In the year 2000, in the Star Trek Voyager episode, (laughs) Tsunkatsu, which is basically an episode about these, like, um, uh, basically wrestling matches that, well, they're not (laughs) wrestling matches, they're more like MMA, but, like, um, there's, like, these these warriors that are, like, forced into combat, Uh and uh, uh, The Rock is one of them. this is the early part of Dwayne the Rock John, uh, Johnson's <laughs> acting career, where he basically just was in movies to wrestle and like. Yeah, uh, but anyway, so uh, Seven of Nine also now, gets kidnapped by these people. In movies, who gets kidnapped? Seven of Nine. Oh, and then fuck. Seven of Nine has to fight the Rock, oh, and she loses. Shit! No, she probably kicks his ass. Yeah, no, she, she wins. Yeah, if I uh, well, that would ruin my suspension of disbelief immediately. <laughs> well, for, she's, she's nah, a Borg, she's, so like you know, yeah, she, well, no, she's nothing, nothing can, nothing can beat uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Yeah. Well, this is a this is a we won't get into the seven of nine versus Dwayne the Rock Johnson debate between me and Felix because I think that there's could there's last no debate forever. necessary. There's that no debate necessary if we get into it. Um. So let's not. Yeah. <laughs> She's puny. So yeah, that's uh that's three connections there for you. Cool. Uh, Beautiful. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Oh, I've got another connection for you. Yeah. This is a direct connection. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know if you noticed, but in They Live, there's aliens <laughs> and aliens are in Star Trek. Uh, actually I ju- I just remembered there was there was uh one more. Um, two degree uh-huh. uh, of a guy that we mentioned, Jeff Imada, okay, who, who you know was part of choreographing the fight scene. Sure, yeah. Uh, he 
also did some stunt work on Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. So that's a direct connection. That's a, oh, shit. No, no that's that's a direct connection. Sorry, not a two degree. That's a direct connection. That's I had three direct connections. Yes. I didn't even know it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What am I talking about? Wow. Two direct connections. Three direct connections. What was the third? We had Alan Howarth, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Fuck, Meg Foster, and Jeff Amato. Yeah, there you go. Holy shit. Nice. This might be the and best one yet. I just, I just needed to have The Rock in there because I just wanted to, to tell everybody The Rock is in Star Trek. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's great. Yes. Proclaim it from the rooftops. <laughs> um, okay. Um, okay. So we have one segment left, and I think this is the one that we've all been waiting for. Felix, uh, you recall last time that uh-huh. you... Uh, that, well, not this was not the last time you were on, but... Recall you were on with the uh, Men in Black episode. I was. Uh, you were along for that roller coaster ride. Yeah. This is nothing like that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. This is this is nothing like that. Okay. So I, I was wondering where you were going for this, and if you were going down the obvious path. Lizard people. <laughs> Lizard people. So you're going to tell us about the lizard people. <laughs> <laughs> I believe you owe me a theme song. Oh, shit. Yeah, I do. Uh, well, I mean, you know, if I'm going to play the theme song, you're going to have well, to yeah, tell me true. something that is, in fact, not false. Something that is, is, what's the word for that? It's diametrically to or no is in incongruence with reality right a fact that is in that is congruous with reality so you are now going to tell us something that is the logical negation of falsehood all right we're ready for the anti-false yes some (laughs) might even call that the truth some yeah, no, that. this is a bit of a stretch, though. So this is the segment <laughs> in which Keaton, you know, comes up with something to tell us that is, that potentially, is true. potentially true. So, reptilians. <laughs> Strong advertising. <laughs> Follow through. <laughs> so. So, reptilians. <laughs> what reptilians about them? Are they... Reptoids or lizard people or reptiloids or saurians or draconians um, are Scarins? Rep- Saurins. Are uh, Scarins. No, no, as in Sauron. Saurins. I'm, t- I'm adding my own. Oh, you're adding another one. S- or Starons are supposedly huh. reptilian humanoids, which play. Um, well, I'm not going to read that line. That line's bullshit. They call it a conspiracy theory. We all know that's not true. Um, the idea of reptilians was popularized by David Icke. Uh, they, again, call him a conspiracy theorist. I'm just going to call um, him a theorist. Is that the guy from... Was he on Ancient Aliens? Yes. Um, <laughs> David Icke is, is one of the most famous... Guy? No, he's not him. David Icke that's is Giorgio. one of the most famous people when it comes to conspiracy... Sorry, when it comes to theories... Um, Alternate theories. <laughs> um, <laughs> Should we really be like 
popularizing David Icke's theory. No, that's what I was just. That was what I was just gonna say. Is David Icke is not a serious person. He claims shape-shifting reptilian <laughs> aliens control Earth by taking on human form and gaining political power to manipulate human societies. Ike has stated on multiple occasions that many world leaders are or are possessed by so-called reptilians. So let me just start off by saying I don't believe in the reptilians. Okay. <laughs> just because it gets lost in the weeds sometime, and I don't want that. <laughs> don't, you don't want to get just, a bad rap? <laughs> yeah, I just want people to know I don't, I don't believe in the reptilians. However, now back, I'm going back into character where the serpent men are real. Um, no, this is actually a true truth. I'm I'm not going to talk about them any more than what I've just told you about them. Just that's the reptilian uh, theory. Um, but I did in my study on the reptilians come across a very interesting poll from 2013. A poll. Um, it's from a, a, an organization called Public Policy Polling. Oh yeah, that's a that's a legitimate pollster. They <laughs> are a legitimate, exactly. Um, so, so wait, are are we putting? Is there a stealth cinematrics? <laughs> Hell's yeah, there is actually. Well, actually, no, it's not cinematrics at all. No, it's not cinematrics. Okay, no, right. it's public polling, but there's no is the the it doesn't actually relate to the film in terms okay. of counting anything. So, Sorry, so uh, Felix, if, if uh, Cinematrics is our um, it's our segment in which we talk about stats. Ah, okay. <laughs> so let me just read you some some introduc the introduction to this this uh, poll here um, from public policy polling. PPP's latest national poll finds the American public differing along party lines on many conspiracy uh, theories involving issues like global warming and the Iraq war, although some of the more bizarre ideas merit bipartisan skepticism. Um, <laughs> That's a good so, word, bipartisan skepticism. I do like that. I like that. <laughs> um, so basically, this is like a phone interview and he surveyed 1,247 registered American voters from March 27th to 30th um, over the tele... Oh, uh, te did I say telephone interviews? Um, in 2013. So, so are the reptile... So are, are the reptilians subject to bipartisan skepticism? So let me read you question 13 <laughs> of this poll. Okay. Question 13. <clears throat> question 13. Do you believe that shape-shifting reptilian people control our world by taking on human form and gaining political power to manipulate our societies or not? So, okay, wait, wait. Before you tell us the result yeah, of that... Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to tell you uh, the results. There's the three can, categories can, are... Can, 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 can you give your answer there, Felix? Uh... <laughs> Can you answer the question? <laughs> no, they're not taking human form. They're just projecting via satellite dish human form on top of themselves. No, 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 no. So you get three answers. There's do. So do you believe okay. you do, do not, or not sure are your answers? So please give okay. your answers. I'll read the do question. Do or do one not. There time. is no try. I'll give you the okay, question. So I'm, I'm going to go time. with not sure. 
<laughs> I'm gonna say no because it's it's an alternate mechanism. Do not. Okay. So, so Felix, you you sided with your do not answer with eighty eight percent of those surveyed. If was, um, what was the target audience? Was it just generic Americans? Yeah, it's it a was random registered voters. Sample. Oh, registered voters. Okay, that's even scarier. Yep, eighty-eight percent. Jake, you said not sure. Seven percent. Uh, which out of the uh, out of the uh, twelve hundred or so people surveyed, that's about eighty-four people. Okay, are not sure. Which I think is shockingly high. Yeah, that's um. The twelve percent that's undecided or thinks that there are the reptilians is pretty high, especially considering. I would assume that what, percentage the, gets uh, higher when you move out of the registered voter base. What's the margin of error on that poll? It is uh, plus minus two point eight percent. Margin of error. Uh, basically saying like okay, um, it's, it could be off it, by that much. In yeah, basically direction. it could be off by plus or minus two point eight percent in either direction. What could be off? Uh, each of those percentages. The numbers. That they but gave. they asked the people and they got the responses. No, no, basically because they're generalizing for... They're saying that based on 1,200 people, they can say that 88% of all Americans believe that within 2.8%. I think that's overly confident. Well, I that's agree, too. For I, you. <laughs> I have problems with polls, but we're not going to get into the... We... Uh, yeah, we're not going to get into the debate on this. Sure. Um, because I don't could. think it's really a, a debate that I'm qualified to weigh in on. No, um, we'll so have I'm Nate Silver to. on, and then <laughs> yeah, we'll have when Nate Silver responds to our fucking emails. <laughs> yeah, it just it just seems like a very small standard deviation for such a small sample size. Yeah. So, guys, um, question seven. Okay. Do you believe the moon landing was faked or not? Do do not or not sure. Do not. Do not. <laughs> you guys agree with 84% of those surveyed. Oh my, that's so bad. <laughs> Four, plus or minus 2.8%, though. 7% like. do believe it was faked, and a whopping 9% are not sure. That's, yeah. Here's a good one. Question eight. Do you believe President Barack Obama is the Antichrist? <laughs> okay, sorry. Okay, this, sorry. Uh, this, is, this is very funny. Um, so, uh, Sabrina and I, my partner Sabrina and I, uh, Sabrina, have, who's been in a, has, on this podcast, has been on the podcast. Yeah, she's she's been graced on the podcast. She's been here. Um, we were looking at uh, Airbnbs, and we were looking at um, like kind of like cottages in like Ontario, a couple hours from Toronto. Yeah. For when that's eventually allowable. Um, A possibility, yeah. Yeah, and we stumbled upon this place. It was like this kind of like treehouse kind of build, but it was an actual house, but like built as a treehouse, like on stilts. So it was kind of cool. And we were reading the reviews and one of them was like, oh, they they were generally positive. Someone was like, oh, you should also visit their website, soa.ca, S-O-A-H.ca. Um, okay. Keaton, why don't you quickly visit soah.ca? <laughs> okay, soah.ca. Enter. 
not it's not entirely loaded, but one of the tabs that has loaded is called End Times Preparation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it turns out that this place is the is a Christian end times preparedness um <laughs> like camp and it's their camp for when the end times come for when the rapture comes and they're renting it out on Airbnb to make money in the meantime. Although it wasn't clear from their website whether the rapture had happened or not yet. But anyway, there's a wealth of information. They have a YouTube channel, too, where they post videos about their words from God about what they found out. Uh, And there's some interesting ones. But one of them is that... Yes. Yeah, real pictures of aliens. Uh, One of them is that Obama is the Antichrist. Yeah. (laughs) And and that the... um, that vaccines give you a microchip which turns you into a genetic monster. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, everyone anyway. knows that. Yeah, I, I highly recommend watching. I just want to make it clear. Uh, Crank account here does not endorse this theory. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Oh, and Obama is going to impose Sharia law as well. Yes, um, yes, specifically, yeah. Uh, okay, but everyone, yeah, anyway, everyone knows that. Well, how many, well, we're about to find out. Does everybody know Does that? Everybody because we have that? the data. I know at least we Michael have... and Sharon do. <laughs> we have the data. All right. So you want to know? Let's see. So, question: Do you believe President Barack Obama is the Antichrist or not? No. A a shocking, a no. shocking, thirteen percent believe that do you think maybe some people were thinking about it metaphorically or are they all just that like fucked up (laughs) uh even metaphorically so 13 percent think he is the antichrist this is it gets better though because an equal amount of people are not sure 13 percent are not sure I mean, how many people answer these surveys as memes? And also, are they just surveying the Bible Belt? Maybe. All right, let's do a couple more here. All right. Question 19. Do you believe Paul McCartney actually died in a car crash in 1966 (laughs) and was secretly replaced by a lookalike so the Beatles could continue? Yes. Not I sure. <laughs> Rubber falls. <laughs> Rubber fall. fall. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fall. Um, so 5%, only 5%. So about as many people who believe in reptilians also believe in... Wait, so people are... People more believe that Obama is the Antichrist than in yeah, Rubber that's... Rubber Paul? Oh, I mean, yeah. there's irrefutable evidence that, that, that Paul is really dead. <laughs> like there's the whole last testament of George Harrison. Yeah, that's yeah there's the whole last testament. Exactly. <laughs> for those for those that aren't aware, there's a documentary that used to be on Netflix. I don't, I don't know, know if it still is. A long time ago. But it was uh, Paul McCartney really is dead. We uh, might do that movie one one of these. The years. true so, uh, story the of Rubber Paul or truth. whatever it is. Anyway, <laughs> but um, so this is a this is a documentary we all watched together at one point. Yeah. Yeah. It's fucked. Yeah. <laughs> Paul is really dead, man. <laughs> so last one here. We'll just jump into this one. Okay. Um Do you believe that Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone in killing President Kennedy, or was there some larger conspiracy at work? 
So, what do you guys not think? Not sure. <laughs> I mean, I honestly don't know enough about it, so not sure. I mean, I don't know that he was working with anybody else, but I'm sure there was other people trying to kill President Kennedy. So what are you giving me? Is that a not sure? Wait, 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 wait. Actually, conspiracy? actually, no, that's a... I believe that there was a large conspiracy because didn't you guys watch Zoolander? <laughs> <laughs> Hells yeah, I did. David Duchovny was involved. Yeah, man. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Not sure. Not sure, sure. So this one, 25% believe Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone. Oh, so most people believe there was some other. Yeah, people believe there was some larger conspiracy at work. That's 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 a pretty compelling percentage. Yeah, that is. A compelling... Well, I think most of the reason behind that was just because, like, you know, there wasn't a lot of closure on that whole issue. Yeah. 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 Also, it's pr- it should be pretty hard to kill a president. Yeah. Well, it's happened more than once. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, and finally, so speaking of 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 attempts to kill presidents, are we saying that that that? Do you know if John Hinckley Jr. was wearing sunglasses when he took a shot at Reagan? <gasps> Could you <know>. see? <laughs> Could you see? Holy shit! I gotta search up a picture of John Hinckley Jr. <laughs> Let's see if there's any pictures of him wearing sunglasses. Let's see. No, no pictures of him wearing sunglasses. Okay. Hold on. Oh, no, wait. There's a no, U.S. Marshal wearing sunglasses. He's wearing okay. glasses, though. He's wearing glasses, but not sunglasses. But not sunglasses. What if he got the contacts? Yeah, I suppose that's, that's true. true. I suppose, yeah, it could be anyone. Anyone could be awake. Um, so yeah. as finally for this truth section, the closure... Um, is that if you're how does this relate back to the movie well, he's getting reptilians <laughs> yeah the aliens in charge is how it r- relates back is that yeah right only, only four percent are awake right um only that is four how it percent relates. of people have put on the glasses yeah Correct. exactly <laughs> um but if you were curious of those surveyed 38 percent were democrat 34% were Republican and 28% were independent slash other. So okay. it's pretty, pretty, uh, yeah. it's pretty split. Pretty sample, the representative sample, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, the one thing I would posit is that, uh, in my opinion, the aliens and they live are much more bug like looking. They kind of have like, their eyes look like they've got like compound eyes. They, they look, look like kind flies. Of like froggish, froggish like to me, you know. Chameleony eyes. That's the chameleony, yeah. Or like, like they look more like amphibian. I feel like they've got. They look like they've got the compound eyes of yeah. a fly. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. If well, only Jeff Goldblum was in this movie. Yeah. Too if bad. only, Too yeah. Bad. Well, on that note, as we are entering. Uh, some so one, one last uh, thing that I wanted. Did oh, you yeah. guys catch uh, the uh, the self reference that John Carpenter made in this movie? I did not. Oh yeah, you did. Yeah, what he said uh, when there was like the when the, the, the they were on the saying, TV when the like, aliens were first being revealed to the public. Uh-huh. Uh, there was just some guy on a talk show, and he was just saying, you know, 
all these violence in movies, man. These guys like John Carpenter, they gotta, they gotta like, they gotta take some response. They gotta tone it down. <laughs> oh yeah, I think I, yeah, I <laughs> which is funny yeah. because that just followed like this shooting spree in which like so many people got killed and yeah. there was a lot of blood. <laughs> that's that's funny. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that also reminded me of one last little detail to mention is that. The first thing that I noticed, and that actually the first thing I wanted to say about this movie, and it's actually turning out to be the last thing I'm saying about this movie. Um, well, not the last thing, but is that, did you notice that they had a fucking PKE meter in it? Nowhere. That with the, the device they oh! were, the aliens were using to yeah. find uh, Roddy and Yes, Keith. that's totally, a, yeah, you're what, right. What's a PKE meter? From Ghostbusters? That was like a psychokinetic energy. Yeah. Or whatever. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, that is. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't catch that. That that's what that was. But yeah, that was. That's weird. But yeah. yeah. Anyway, so that that'll that we've we've come to our final segment here, which is the culminative segment because we've uh, we've been talking about this movie for quite a while now. So it's time to uh, yes, we have. to wrap it up with our final thoughts. Um. We have our special guest, Felix, here, our PhD candidate special guest. Um, so I did say that he would explain to us how the glasses worked. Um, he has not done that yet, so he might do that yeah. in his final thoughts, but he doesn't have to. But yeah. why don't you start us do, off, do Felix? You, do you understand how that worked? I mean, you you would you call your, yourself an expert in, in crystal lattices? <laughs> I wouldn't call myself an expert, but I know something about them. Okay. W- would you say that, that these these glasses could conceivably have been composed of some sort of exotic <laughs> crystal that, that allowed you to break through the alien mind beams? Sure, why not? <laughs> oh what, like... if, what if there's some kind of polarizations? Like a, yeah. There's like a you know like a, some polarization of light and you got polarized sunglasses maybe maybe uh, see this is what that's I'm talking pretty about basic technology I guess really but um, uh, I don't know so how would that block out the mind beams and why did they give you a headache well maybe you need the coherence effect of the right and the left circularly polarized light maybe. if you cut out one of them then uh, maybe it's like a three D glasses kind of effect I don't yeah. know there's yeah. different things you can do with light you know. There's like a depth of field perception, like with that, 3D sorry, glasses. Is, is that your thesis, your your PhD thesis? There are different things you can do with light. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I, I actually um, uh, watched this guy's presentation on uh, yeah, on Jake his, helped uh, me practice. Thing. Yeah. Um, from what I gather, he uses light to measure various things. Uh, oh, but so he, he should is, be a uh, fucking expert in this. Yeah. yeah, well, I can tell you what I know about <laughs> about 3D, uh, old school 3D technology is that they use two quarter wave plates, um, and a quarter wave plate is an optical device that lets light, different kinds of light pass through, so light being an electromagnetic field that can oscillate in various directions. Some of the fundamental parts are circularly polarized, where the kind of the polarization of the electromagnetic field kind of rotates and there's okay. can be left-handed and right-handed circularly polarized light. Okay, and so cool. a quarter wave plate will turn those, um, into, uh, like, you know, linearly polarized light. And so basically, uh, 
3D films would project two beams of right and left polarized uh, light uh, with a phase offset from each other. Uh, so they're like a little bit offset in time. And so you're basically there's two um uh the the two lenses basically are quarter wave plates in opposite uh, directions so that they set them to to normal light so that you can receive the uh so you can separate the two signals one of them will send them one of them to zero and one of them will let it through and, and pass it through so basically you get the two phase offsets in one in each eye and that basically makes you feel that there's different things coming at you so that could be an optical illusion where you could you could well, that's that's my thesis is that there's some sort of quarter wave plate technology being so, used to so, create an illusion so why why would the glasses appear black and white <laughs> um, well that's that's part of the illusion that's part of the illusion that's part of the illusion yeah that's yeah that's as much as i can say about that that was excellent that was way more than i could have ever hoped for because well you're welcome you're welcome because we've now explained it that's it welcome yeah that must be it so on a less scientific level what are your what are your final thoughts on this film my final thoughts i don't know i think it's a really fun movie um I, i i do like it i mean you know obviously we kind of talked about some of the parts that this movie is like, you know, I don't think it should be taken too seriously. Like, it's a good uh, movie. I'm pretty sure John Carpenter wanted you to take it very seriously. <laughs> yeah, I know, which is a little bit sad. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I just think it's a fun movie. And like, the messaging is, is quite ham-handed. But some of that is, you know, kind of fun that you're just, it's like, it's like, Hit me with it again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. It's like silly and fun <laughs> yeah. if you take it that way. If you don't take yeah. it seriously. It can, yeah, if you take it seriously, it, could, it would probably get tiresome. Okay, what what punches harder? John Carpenter's message? Yeah. Or Rowdy Roddy Piper? Definitely well, Rowdy Roddy Piper. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's a tough call for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I'd say it's, it's a fun movie. Um, the... The special effects are are not particularly great in this one, but um, like because you didn't have Dean Cundy to make it all look great. Yeah, sure, <laughs> yeah, sure. Look a little, but I, I think it shows through in that way. Yeah, yeah. But I think the uh, yeah, it's kind of weird that it's like sort of sci-fi, but it only really uses sci-fi um, for the plot devices it presents to advance the plot. Yeah, conveniently. Uh, <laughs> it's all allegorical, man. Yeah, yeah. but I, but it, no, it's it's a good movie. It's fun. The sunglasses idea is cool. Um, uh, I like the uh, the signs that say "mate" and "reproduce." Those are funny. Yeah. Uh, obey, <laughs> obey. The obey is well, less funny. We didn't even talk about how obey became a real fucking brand. Um, yeah, we like, did. It's pretty messed up, in my opinion. Is that the origin of that brand? Yeah, it is literally. It's from this movie. Yeah, oh, actually, this this movie was the origin of another popular thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I don't know how popular it is, but teleporting Rolexes. No, the phrase uh, that I came here to kick ass and chew, chew bubble, bubble gum, gum and a wallet of bubble gum. Wallet of oh, bubble gum. So yeah. apparently, uh, Roddy Piper had written that 
for part of his, it was part of his notes for what he could use in WWE. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's what and, I thought. Uh, I thought he used it in his act first. I, I don't know if he actually used it, but it was in his notes. Right. Because so, that's... but Roddy Roddy, Roddy Piper came up with it. And that's also, awesome. also doesn't he like, doesn't he say that after putting on the sunglasses for the first time on his like maniacal? Yeah, that's when he shoots up the bank, and it's yeah. like. You you just figured out that there's aliens and you're already coming up with clever puns before you murder them. No, he's been thinking yeah. about that one for a while. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, no, it's it's a fun movie. Yeah. 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 What do you think, Jake? Uh, yeah, I really like this movie. Uh, you know, it's got you know some good shit in it. There's a uh, great memorable lines. There's an excellent fucking. Uh, seven minute fight <laughs> in the middle of it you know um got a little bit of sci-fi and like i uh just gotta reiterate this again because we all seem to have just noticed that the message is very blunt <laughs> <laughs> just noticed it now yeah, yeah you know uh i think i think that is uh probably the main issue with this film was just like, um, and it it, uh, it it sort of uh, pushes this uh, this social commentary aspect uh, clumsily to a fault. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it puts like a super limiting cap on like what the film's able to achieve. You know, it's like yeah. the fact that the, the and 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 I'm not saying it shouldn't have social commentary in it. I'm just saying that what they did do was so unsubtle yeah that it's like yeah i feel like it also kind of like limited what they could do with yeah. the sci-fi stuff for example yeah too. exactly yeah. yeah yeah i agree yeah i agree with both of you i think it's super entertaining uh it's kind of weak in <laughs> i think the writing is a bit weak i think the yeah. actual, the actual... Uh, one more thing i will say yeah is that uh the role plays to Roddy Piper's strengths. Absolutely. And that he really doesn't have that many lines. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> that that I think he is really good in this movie. Yes. Yeah. He, and I think he was put into a position to succeed. And yeah, that was a very I agree. Good that's, writing, yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that's yeah, true. That writing. Is, yeah. He, like, he made me want to see him in more films. Like, uh, after he this. Wants, yeah. he, he, he wants to make me watch fucking WrestleMania. Yeah, mm-hmm. after this, I might go... Go watch WrestleMania some, three some clips. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, another thing that I I wanted to just reiterate was how how weird I thought that it was like, it, how weird I thought it was that uh, there was such a hearkening to the Great Depression, especially in the beginning sequences. That it's supposed oh, yeah. to be such a bleak landscape and like filing at the unemployment office and there, there's no work anywhere and it's, it's just, and there's like the tent city. It's like. <laughs> It's, 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 I mean, I guess that, uh, that I mean, plays to his a real theme. thing in LA for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it's for sure trying to evoke that kind of imagery. Yeah. Yeah. Imagery for me at least. Yeah. And, uh, one more thing, uh, with the music, uh, I, I, the music that was there was really good, but <laughs> was, yeah, it was there cool. was like 10 seconds of music. <laughs> it's the same yeah. thing over and over. <laughs> Yeah, it's like the same fucking thing. Yeah, it's the blues, man. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, and that that bluesy vibe kind of 
further cements what I think you were talking about was the the 1930s Great Depression vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And the train, like it just kind of like yeah, came off yeah. the train. The vagabond. Yeah, the train that they had to drive past twice. Yeah, <laughs> the most expensive shot in the film. <laughs> Another yep. expensive shot involving trains. Another week trains in a row. are goddamn fucking expensive. Yeah. Well, I think that brings us to the end of this episode. Um. But we will. Is there anything we else will you guys return? Have? I don't anything think I have else? anything. No, no, no. Okay. Felix, we speak uh, now. I'd like to make a PSA. Oh yeah, make yeah. your PSA. Yeah, oh, please yeah, do. Of course. Yeah. We forgot to give you your plug. Yeah. No, that's okay. So. So my plug um, is going to be, so, you know, this movie has Rowdy Roddy Piper in it. Rest in and peace. And he's a wrestler. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you guys were talking about wrestling a bit, too. And uh, we, the topic of WrestleMania came up. And yeah. um, uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson came up as well. <laughs> I don't think you need to plug Dwayne The Rock Johnson. <laughs> well, he's got Dwayne The well, Rock Johnson. <laughs> The most I'm, 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 I'm going to plug Dwayne The Rock Johnson's honor. Um, so uh, you Say may... Again? I'm going to plug his honor. His honor. Yes, and okay. his good name. Okay. Um, so, Despite the fact that he got beaten by 7 of 9 in that one episode of Star Trek. Yeah, well, that's bullshit. But, uh, so um, you may or may not know that there's a new Fast and the Furious movie coming out. Yeah, uh, this summer, Fast and the Furious Nine, I think it is. You're plugging and the new. Fast you're literally and plugging stuff. Fast. And I, <laughs> no, no, I am not. Okay. So you may or may not know that there's been a massive falling out oh, between so you're Vin Don't Diesel. Go see. Let me finish my point. Yeah, yeah, yeah let him finish. There's been a massive falling out between Vin Diesel and Dwayne the Rock Johnson, yeah, yeah. and that they refuse to work together anymore. Um, yeah. And the point is, is that. Uh, Vin Diesel's a sack of shit. Was the <laughs> argument now... over which one looks more like a thumb? And Vin Diesel was like, no, I look more like a thumb. And The Rock was like, no. Well, Vin Diesel me. wins that one. I yeah, think well, Vin, Vin Diesel right. just wanted to be in control, and he didn't like the fact that ev- as soon as Dwayne Johnson joined, he was more popular, and Vin Diesel wanted to be in charge. Anyway, point being that um, this is Vin, my uh, Dwayne Rock Johnson, yeah, Dwayne John, Dwayne Rock Johnson got a spinoff um, movie. Of the Fast and Furious, which yeah, was really Hobbs bad. And Shaw or something was that. Yeah, one? it was really bad. Um, but he's he's not going to be in the upcoming movie because mm. they just they just don't work together anymore. Um, right. So my point, my my PSA and my plea to those who are listening is please boycott Fast and the Furious Nine because it doesn't have Dwayne the Rock Johnson in it, and that's bullshit. Ah, so we were mistaken. So you're actually doing the opposite of plugging the new Fast and the Furious. Okay, so you're saying don't go see Fast and I'm Furious. I'm saying boycott it. Yeah, okay, don't. Okay, so you, you heard it here first. Don't go see that film. <laughs> Just watch the old ones with Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so with that, uh, we wrap up the episode for this week. Uh, thank you, Felix, for uh, yes, for coming for on. Us. <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. Um, yeah, I am. Shout out to Sweden listening to our podcast <laughs> is it just one again like last time uh, just one just one in sweden one person one time listened to one episode. one person last month in sweden listened to our podcast there you go. and they have our undying love. they're all thank you the better for it thank you